Good morning. Good Wednesday morning to you. Thanks for joining DJ and BK. DJ is continuing his days off. He'll be back on Monday. He deserves it. Guy works a lot, and he's got a good opportunity to get some time off, get some sunshine in the winter. Yeah, absolutely. I exchanged some texts with him yesterday, and he's having a great time, and I'm excited for him, he and his family, to go ahead and do that. Myself, PK, I'm here, ready to go. We got jazz basketball we got to talk about, and the guys who are going to be available. Got the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ten years, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, nope. Kurt Schilling, nope. Three of them, for all different reasons. I think they've got the credentials to be in, all three of them, but for different reasons, they're denied entry. Now they'll go to the Veterans Committee. What do you think about that? I think Bond should be in. Clemens, probably. Uh, Schilling, yeah, Schilling was a big game pitcher. I think he should be in. I don't know, you can keep him out because of politics. That shouldn't be, uh, as far as I'm concerned, much of a factor. You know, if he's breaking the law, that's another story, I guess. And murder, like some football player out there did uh, several years ago, that might be a different story. Uh, Too late to keep him out, obviously. Uh, But Ortiz gets in, and there were some rumors, but he never failed the test, as far as I know, reading up on it. Watched the induction ceremony yesterday. We'll have our baseball expert joining us at 7.30. Stay tuned for that. Our baseball expert, Steve Clowkey. Now, the great thing about the Ortiz opportunity to go in the Hall of Fame, he played for the Salt Lake Buzz. Remember that? Because he came up with Minnesota. And Minnesota, when when the Buzz first started, what was it, in 94, I think? That uh, their AAA was right here in Salt Lake, that beautiful stadium that they've got. Yeah, they were a triple-A before they moved over to the Angels. And so he played here. Steve Cloudy, I'm sure will remember it, be able to tell us how long he played here. And I think he got released, just flat-out got released by the organization. And then, obviously, he picked up with the Boston Red Sox, and away he went. Three World Series, phenomenal career. Became like a fixture in Boston, almost like the face of the team. Right when they had that bombing with the uh, the marathon, he was the one who spoke. If you remember, the expletive uh, Boston Strong. Yeah, it's amazing foreign guy do that, but yet then he was so beloved, universally beloved in Boston. And so I don't have any problem with him being in there if there hasn't been anything proven. But we'll talk about that. Get your opinions on that if you got any. Jazz got a game tonight. The rematch with the Suns tonight, eight o'clock later start. ESPN game, so you can go out to eat, get some more time before you have to get to the arena. Now, they put out an injury report so far. It's going to be without Donovan Mitchell. It's going to be without Rudy Gobert. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot of star power, right? The two faces of the franchise. Gobert would miss his second game. Mitchell's been out for a week now since the concussion thing. And that's too bad. The Suns going to be without two starters also. Not the same caliber. Uh, DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder. And then also I read that JaVale McGee, who is their backup center, moved into starting center with the injury to Ayton. So they'll be without their top two centers. And I suppose they'll start uh, Biombo over there. They picked him up, and he's been good. He had 16 and 13 on Monday against the Suns, or against the Jazz, I mean. 
Yeah, so he was obviously a great boost. Now, he did that without Gobert. Uh, Whiteside, maybe he can show a little bit more hustle and be a little bit more into it. What do you think? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Jazz to win this game without those two guys, obviously. I don't know how many times they've played without those two guys. I'm sure there's some stat out there. We know when they're without Gobert, he missed a bunch of games there with the COVID thing, and they really bombed. And he basically called them out, Gobert did, and compared the Suns to them and liked what the Suns were doing as he was watching games. So with both of those guys out, it's going to be really hard. It seems like the losses are just piling up. I don't think they're throwing in the towel in the regular season, but they have hit a stretch here that they haven't hit one like this in a good while, right? I can't even remember the last time. I mean, last year was pretty smooth. year before was messed up with the COVID and the interruption of the season by several months. So that doesn't really count that much. And before then, I don't think they went into this type of situation. But, you know, at the same time, they weren't losing guys to COVID and, and other stuff that they, they're doing. I was wondering, you know, they sat out guys that presumably could have played on Monday. But it tells you... Um, maybe they're not as interested in the regular season as they had been in the past. Now, what does that mean? Well, we'll know the answer to that in the playoffs <laughs> because if you have success in the playoffs, then what happens now doesn't matter. If you get a bad matchup and you get beat in the first round, well, maybe you should have tried to win more games. You know, we can second-guess it forever, but that's what we do on talk radio, right? We just go back and forth and figure out one thing over another. We'll have to see. I mean, the idea, obviously, is they've been talking about Game 70. At some point, get healthy and maybe gain a little bit of more confidence, go on a little bit of a run like you have been, like you did do. Uh, what did you – you won 16 out of 19, and then you went up to Toronto, and most of the guys didn't play. And since then, there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff going on that's positive in terms of victories. But you know you can do it. So I haven't given up on the season just at this point here, the All-Star break is, what, three weeks away? Get through the All-Star break. you got nine days off. Nine days in the All-Star game during the break. The game's on Sunday, the day before President's Day, and they don't think they play again until Friday. I think their last game is the Wednesday before, and they don't play again until the following Friday. So they got a good time off. And at that point, you know, you have less than 30 games. Maybe you can kick it into gear at that point, see what you got. Hold off. The charging Mavericks, they were in the uh, in the Bay Area last night playing the Warriors, and the Warriors looked pretty good. Clay Thompson hitting some threes. And then you got the Grizzlies. You know, can you hold the, Can you catch them now? You don't have to worry about holding them off, but can you catch them? I think you can. Uh, I would like to see them get in that three spot, you know, not have to play the, the Suns until the second round. But that's going to be tough, though, obviously. But I'm getting way ahead of myself, aren't I? Yeah, we'll see how that goes when we get there. A bunch of stuff to talk about. So, coming up next, hey, in fact, we'll do some jazz. We had Craig Bowlerjack on yesterday. I want to replay that for you. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Good morning. Welcome on in. DJ and PK coming at you on this Wednesday morning. DJ's off on PK running the show. We had Craig Bowlerjack. You know him. The voice of the TV broadcasts, the face, I don't know what whatever you say. He's just Craig Bolajak. He's a jazz broadcaster. We had him on with our guy, Riley Jensen, sat in. And so we interviewed Craig, get his thoughts on what's going on. Here we go, Craig Bolajak. 
Mr. Bolajack, David James, he did not win Sportscaster of the Year, so he needed a week off to recover because it's been very difficult for him. And, and he's, oh. he's with some strategy people, and they're going to map out something so he can get that thing back where yeah. it rightly yeah. belongs. So yeah. uh, forgive yeah. him. You know, he needs to take a little time. Yeah. Up he needs a session with Riley, by the way. There you go. Riley Jensen's joining <laughs> Riley us. Riley yeah. needs that motivational, you know, they need a half hour at least together. Craig, good to have you on, man. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I appreciate hey, it. my friend. It's good to – you know what? You've been hanging out. You know, I kind of watch what you're doing, but it's good to have you on there with PK. You guys sound good. What's happening? Yeah, we've been talking a lot of stuff from Riley with the sports psychologist, and I would, I've been complimenting him about uh, how he's a self-made man, took a career change, and succeed, took a leap, a leap of faith yeah. with his wife and succeeded, and now he's just knocking out of the park. And I told a story about when I first got my first uh, sports radio gig, and my dad said, well, yeah, just make sure you don't quit that paper, son, because I don't know about that sports radio stuff. <laughs> and then we were talking about having to receive breaks along the way, and every Everybody has to receive some kind of break, and I'll play it into where we're going with this. But I just wanted to publicly put it out there that one of the guys who was in my corner 20-some years ago was Craig Bowlerjack, and I don't know that I've ever really acknowledged that to you. So I'm doing that right now to thank you for the support that I had that you gave me in furthering my opportunities to get where I am, and and I certainly appreciate that. Hey, man, are you going through like a 10-step process today? <laughs> hey, we're just digging into his brain a little bit. We're, we're making him feel better uh, about his situation. You know, I was thinking about that as I'm watching the ball game against the Suns, right? Because it, it, it I want to say it's unparalleled, but it's happened a couple of times where all the uh, dudes that we know and love aren't playing. So then you get to see these these youngster guys get out. And Rudy Gay is not a youngster, and I get that. And Clarkson is an established guy and maybe passed to an extent, but pretty much everybody else is out there trying to prove their worth, and it's the old Jerry Sloan line, hey, it's not just us, you got all these other teams in the league, so in a sense, I mean, they lost the game, and and, you know, the Suns, they're really good, obviously, but it's refreshing in a sense to see guys out there playing for their livelihoods because it's a story of like uh, like me and Riley and I'm sure you ha- you had it too back when you get some breaks you have to fight and prove yourself and yeah. and we see somebody like a uh, probably the most impressive to me was a Trent Forrest now I'm thinking this guy is going to have a place in the league whether it's with the Jazz or whomever and ultimately that's the goal is to have a place in the league and his performance to me was impressive enough to think alright he's got something here yeah you know, he's played well. It's it's consistently, you know, two over the last couple, three or four games that he's had an opportunity to play with Donovan Mitchell out. And, you know, Mike was out again last night on the back-to-back. Last week he went back-to-back. This week he didn't. In fact, you know, when I got the word that all five starters plus Joe would be out, I thought, wow, this could be a really ugly night. But, you know, to your point and to Riley's point, you guys, about competition and the mental part of it, has so much to play in. I think uh, over my years in the broadcast business, every game is unpredictable because, as Jerry Sloan always said to us in the broadcast, in the media field, in those interviews, in his gruff voice, you know, hell, everybody's out there looking at, you know, your <laughs> resume. He always talked about your resume and that 29 other, you know, eyeballs are on you. Uh, and that's why you have to go out and bust your tail every night. And I thought, Last night was a prime example of players who said to themselves, look, I'm in the NBA. Look, I know it's Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I get it. 
but uh, and the best team in the league by the re- by record wise. But no, I was excited to see uh, the energy, the effort that was put forth last night, and there were several guys, Jared Butler. Sometimes we forget about this guy who won a national championship at Baylor, came out and played high level. Pascal has got you know game that you know again maybe will turn even more heads in the Jazz organization when they go small ball. Rudy Gay's a competitor despite as you said 16 years uh, in the league. But you know I, I just thought there were moments last night. Daniel House Jr. He wants to be on this team. He wants to have another shot. As you guys are both discussing, take the opportunity. And you get to be signed, and you never know what happens, right? Two ten days, and I know he wants a regular roster spot, but he, you know, at his size last night, he kind of proved that he can, you know, hang with the picks. It wasn't taking on a a team that's struggling. It's it's the it's the high level Phoenix Suns. Granted, they didn't have Crowder and DeAndre Ayton last night, but that was a fairly loaded team last night, and you know, you can arguably say the best backcourt in the NBA. And I thought the Jazz, you know, just played played loose free and they had an attitude of I'm not going to be intimidated and um, I I liked what I saw. Craig, I think you're uniquely qualified to answer this question and and obviously the Jazz have struggled with some injuries, with some guys staying out, with with different things that are going on, but how hard is it for you and and for an NBA player when you're on the road as much as you are and when you're when you're on the train and when you're on the planes and and you're in these different stadiums how hard is it to bring it every single night i mean what kind of a mental strain does that put on an uh, an NBA player and even yourself well you know i'd say i can't imagine what it's like right now look they took us off the road before Christmas because of covid so my challenge riley is real simple and we don't talk about it much but I call it games by myself with Big T when Holly's available and not on our ESPN assignments. Last night it was just the four of us, uh, Holly, myself, an audio uh, called an A2 uh, that was up at the arena, and it's, there's no one there. I mean, there was four of us just sitting there up on the third floor calling the game off the Jumbotron. So that's the challenge is just try to bring energy when I'm not even there. You know, and and feel it, and try to relate that to fans. And you know, we've been through it here multiple times. Um, I'll be honest; I don't like it. You know, I'm. I think all of us are better when we interact uh, with people. The energy that I feel in the building and from fans, and it all brings it. You know, into uh, you encapsulate it. You know, and your your body feels it. You know, it's the energy. It's the moment. And those are the things I miss the most. Uh, and for the players, I can't imagine, you know, again, they've been through it, you know, the bubble, uh, the testing, uh, and I think just the mental strain uh, that goes through it. Now, fans don't want to hear that, right, because they always say, well, they get paid to play. I get it. But still, you know, they still have a human element here now that this is a stressful time for everyone because they have families as well. They, they're concerned about kids. You know, Joe Ingles, you know, trying to protect, you know, his young kids, Conley, the same way. So, you know, um, I hope that we find, you know, the the sky and the sun breaks through and we get to another level here because it's kind of a rinse and repeat cycle. And it does wear on you mentally. And, and um, you know, personally, the, the, road, the road is fatiguing. But at the same time, I think the better broadcasts come from when you're actually on site and you can actually tell the people at home 
what's happening outside of your just your 45 inch, you know, or the jumbotron screen view. What's happening in my left? What's happening in my right? What's coaches and players doing? What's happening in the stands? Those are the things I miss and, and miss the energy of, of the fans in just a moment. Jazz are eight games back of the Suns now. It looks like the best record in the in the West, at least, is is which is probably be the best record in the league. But anyway, it looks like that's gone. And I, I am surprised to a degree. I don't want to say a cavalier attitude, but obviously, you know, they had some injuries, and, and Gobert probably wouldn't have played no matter what. And Conley's got his situation and, and Bogey, but you know, it seems to me they could have played O'Neal and Ingles, uh, but they're choosing not to. So they're sort of making a statement that. You know, we're not interested in pursuing the best record in the league. And, and ultimately, you know, when the playoffs start and the ball goes up in the air, and the record that you had in the regular season doesn't really matter. I, I understand that because they had it last year and still didn't get out of the second round. But what do you think their concern is as far as maybe third, fourth, fifth, even sixth in the standings? Do they, do they care about that? That's a great question, PK. The only thing I can refer to is Quinn Snyder. If you've listened to, to the Zoom cast, the Zoom reporting, when he speaks, he really continues to refer to about preparate, preparation and being playoff ready at game 70. Now, you know, that's uh, what are we tomorrow night? We'll be playing game 49. Uh, so we're 48 in, 49 tomorrow night. So you got about 20, 21 games to get things right. He wants to be at a high level with one focus. And, you know, a lot of teams, PK and, and Riley in the league, they'll always say that the seedings are overplayed, maybe for some, but not all. The home court plays a big role, and I think it does for the Jazz. I mean, this is an incredible fan base, and that home court advantage I think plays into a big favor for the Jazz. Maybe not all teams, but I think it, it does for Utah. Um, that's how solid the fans are during the regular season and obviously at a higher level during the playoffs. So I think this year they did learn something from last season. To be honest, the 52 wins look great on paper, but if you can't push it past the next level, past round two, and that's where they've been the last two seasons, you know, two and out, what's it take – to get even to the Western Conference Finals. Well, health for one, right? That's the one thing about Phoenix, in my opinion, is that Chris Paul's healthy. Uh, was last year and has been able to keep healthy this season, and it's proven in the record. He's the perfect fit for Devin Booker as a facilitator and leads the league in assists. I mean, you saw that last night uh, if you watched the game. So I, I to your question, I think the Jazz learned a lot last year it was it was a lot of pressure. I think they're feeling pressure, too, this year, which Riley may come into the equation of why they've had some ups and downs. Now, look, COVID and injuries is part of a, an 82-game schedule, but you've got to work through the fact that expectations are part of the next level. Champions have to be able to handle the pressure, right, and work through it, understand it. In fact, almost, um, I don't know, I would say embrace it. Uh, and I think the Jazz are still in that learning process on how to handle expectations, and that may be part of the equation of of uh, what we've seen over the last month with this team. Um, so we'll see how it works out. There's talent there, but there's a lot of talent in the West. I think it just depends on who's who's on target and, and basically who's the healthiest when uh, when late April comes around and you and you jump into the uh, the postseason. 
Yeah, in in that regard, you know, to me, I, I understand where they're coming from to be able to just make sure you're playing your best ball uh, as far as that goes when it re- when it matters the most because ultimately that's you're gonna how you're gonna be judged. And we've had a couple of games here where virtually no starters are were available. I mean that that. And you you go back you go back as long as anybody in the market you know to and I was I was talking about uh, earlier uh, I think Thurl's first nine years in the league he missed a total of four games but in one year when he got traded he played eighty four which is two above the 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 maximum really so those four games got reduced to two and we all know about the statues and Mark Eaton they were just out there every single time and you can't really pin it upon the the jazz because it's not unique to them it just seems like that that's the way the league is right and I'm wondering does anybody care about where they're where they're seated I mean and you can make the argument why should you because Milwaukee was fourth and they won it all yeah no that's that's uh, I think where people judge TK, you, this is a great conversation because the regular season fans come, fans pay, fans buy merchandise, fans buy concessions, and it's a long stretch of six months of '82. And you make a great point during the Sloan, Larry Miller, Jerry Sloan, John Stockton, Jeff Hornacek era. There was a more attitude amongst the coaches, ownership, and players that it was a a badge of honor. Uh, to fight through uh, any type of injury. I mean, it's folklore, right? Riley and PK. Every you always hear something crazy about some athlete, you know. But for it's it's the big ankle sprain of one Carl Malone that was the size of a damn grapefruit, and he continued to wrap it with tape and play. Yeah, John Stockton's elbow. He could not. He only shot with one hand. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you hear these folklorish type stories, but in some reality, it, 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 I think it reflected on the coach as well. Jerry was that type of guy. I mean, you know, he came from that era where NBA ball players fought each other. Uh, they, 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 you know, smoke cigarettes at halftime, right? <laughs> it was, it was like, you know, all we knew, all they knew to do was to go play, and they were going to scrap. And and beat each other on the floor. That was the pride. Then all of a sudden, you got teams or a superstar who wanted to recruit a buddy or another or some other teammate to to form these super teams. And then that all changed. And I think getting back to coming back to square one, the the league obviously you want to play well, and and I still think you want to find yourself a home court advantage. But there's more of an attitude now being prepared. Uh, for the postseason and to get healthy, which means they will rest players. Uh, they won't let a, a, a player maybe aging like Mike. Uh, they want to make protect him because, you know what, 2PK and Riley, it's a bigger investment than it was during Carl and John's day. You know, $30 million contracts are in vogue. And so ownership uh, and coaches and the, and the medical staff realize, look, uh, we've got to protect our investment, also the interests of what we're trying to accomplish, and ultimately that's an NBA championship. Fans want that, and if they have to suffer through a month where you don't have a star player or two on the floor, then that's part of the sacrifice to get to the top. And hopefully the Jazz get healthy. I mean, this COVID is real, and they just happen to be the last team in the league. They protected themselves very well. I salute that because we went through some of the same protocol they did. 
uh, as a broadcast group. But, uh, you know, it was their turn. And right now it hurts. But can you turn it around, refocus, Riley Wright? I mean, I think that's part of the whole mental. Part of this, right, is not just winning ball games, but how mentally sound are you when the time comes to play in the postseason? Yeah, I, th- I think there's no question that, look, it's a long season, and I think that's what rookies always talk about. I, I saw something yesterday with Kobe Bryant where he was just talking about when he airballed those four or five shots against the Jazz and lost the series, and he was talking about what he learned from it. And he, he said, I learned that it's a long season, that the most games I'd ever played in a season was 35, and there I was on game you know 90 trying to trying to win it in the last seconds. And... The mentality that he took from that and the mentality that you have to learn at this point in the season is so is so vital. And I, I think that's true whether you're whether you're on the road traveling with them, whether you're whether you're at your own job. I mean there's just there's part of every year that's kind of the doldrums of your job and you have to figure out how to fight through it and have the right mentality to be able to be successful, right? Yeah, and Riley, I get asked this all the time. I mean, PK is a, a salty vet, right? But he still <laughs> learns, right? And don't you? Isn't that true to the case of whether you're four years, five years, nine years, fifteen years, sixteen years in the league? The why? The reason why you're there is because you still are hungry. I would guess, and right, and you still have the ability to adapt and learn. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I think that there's some science to back that up, but I also think that that all of us anecdotally can just look at that and say, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that growth mindset, that that mindset to just like continue to grow and progress, or to be a lifetime lifetime learner, is what makes most of the great ones great. Right? They they never stopped learning and progressing and growing, and uh, those those are the people that I'm looking at to be successful. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Because I look at, uh, you know, how does Chris Paul keep the edge? I look at Rudy Gay. How do they keep the edge? How does LeBron, how does LeBron keep the edge? You know, how did Carl and John do it? I mean, those are, those are special high-level players that, you know, you'd almost have to really sit down and study for a while to understand what drove them to greatness, but also the, the pursuit of it and not being fatigued. You're finally saying, ah, I'm done. I don't see that in LeBron right now. Not at I mean, all. It's, it's, he's playing at an, again at a high level at 37. Yeah, for sure. And so is Tom Brady. Now, what he does, I don't know. But, you know, to get knocked out, you have to wait and not make a knee-jerk reaction. But at 44, man, I was still impressed with the way he, he handles the field, his teammates, and just the athletic ability he still possesses. It's Some of these guys are amazing. They really are. They spend a lot of money, right, on taking care of their body. So before I let you go, Greg, I don't want you to – you don't have to comment on – the political nature of the issue, but I wanted to hit you up with jo- the John Stockton thing, and right. I'm not looking for your, you know, if you want to get it, you can, but that's not the point. It just, you know him very well. Uh, how surprised are you that he has put himself in the public spotlight? Because it seemed like that yeah. was something that he always ran the opposite direction from. I was stunned. I got to be <laughs> honest, because as you know, PK, you tried, I tried, everyone tried to get the the, the, the interview, right, to get to really get to know John. And he would toy with us a little bit in the media. Never really was rude. You know, he told me, hey, Bowler, I'll talk to you after the game about my elbow. Okay, and then when I asked him, here's what he said. I said, John, tell me about the elbow. Bowler, it's fine. 
Yeah. That was it. <laughs> that was it. You know, I thought I was in for like a scoop, and he was going to tell me exactly what went down. But, you know, he pulled the strings on me. But that was John. And we just kind of got used to it. And right, he never, right. never wanted the spotlight. I remember, you know, he just said, Malone will take care of that. Yeah. And, you know, Carl loved the camera. He did. And John was able to just sidestep away and sneak away, and that's the way he wanted it. He goes, I don't understand, you know, Bowler, honestly, why people want to talk to me. And I said, John, you got to be kidding because you're one of the most elite point guards to ever play this game. But yeah. he just saw it as a job. So to your question, PK, honestly, very surprised that he's been this vocal, this public uh, about and, and controversial uh, and even Gonzaga, when that came out, uh, what, yesterday or was it over the weekend that right, they right. rescinded his tickets, you yeah. know, I thought, wow, this is just something I'm surprised John would even wade into I know. Uh, on a public stage. But it is what it is, and people are obviously have opinions that we all know uh, in the last couple of years that have come forth that we never thought some friends or families, you know, members think and believe. And here's another example of what, one individual truly in his heart uh, believes is truth. Um, I think you still have to be careful. I, I, I researched myself some of the athletes he professed that had dropped dead on the court or the pitch, and I haven't, I haven't seen that But I, because I think that would be making news. But, again, when you have passion, PK and Riley, sometimes, again, things get a little bit uh, sideways, as Jerry Sloan would say. Um, but look, it's John's opinion, and people people can make their own their own decision or uh, discuss it however they want to. There you go. Yeah, that's the final analysis. Hey, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey guys, good talking to you, Riley. DJ better uh, DJ better be careful, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we we love this show. We love this show. All right, hey, good talking to you guys. That was Craig Bullerjack. All right, we got to turn our attention to. I think we can say the best basketball team in the state, right? That's the BYU Cougars. Mark Pope held some media availability. We'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday morning hump day. A little past 6.30. Mark Pope meeting with the media as they get ready to continue their run through the West Coast Conference. They got Santa Clara. They should beat them. Uh, and then we'll see about uh, Gonzaga. What's that? Uh, a week from Saturday in Provo. Maybe they can get them there. That'll be a fun game. The place will be packed, I'm sure. But they got some preliminaries before then. Let's hear what Mark Pope has to say. Trevor's doing good. He's, uh, you know, uh, he's, 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 we just have a series of really, really tough defensive matchups right now with size. So, uh, what was the numbers? 10 name with San Diego? Uh, Erling 10, Erling, Erling Y or whatever. And then uh, with Portland, it was um, – I've lost my mind. Anyway, been big physical match. Oh, no, actually, yeah, I mean, with, with San Diego, it was either him or Parrish, right? Really, really – they were really playing big down. And then, and then Portland was uh, Mosley. Is it Mo Woods? Moses Mo Woods. And is it Mo Woods? I think so. Six seven, six eight, right? So it's been – we've been playing really big threes. We're actually playing a really big physical three uh, – Santa Clara Justice, who shoots the living daylights out of the ball. And so it's really challenging us at the three to guard. Didn't see Giddy's today. Uh, yeah. from that injury he had in the 
Yeah, he tweaked his ankle at the beginning. He was just out there on the, at the beginning of practice, kind of tweaked it, so we just sent him back in just kind of take care of him. He's a vet. He knows that, you know, he's like, listen, Monday, Tuesday, probably not that important. Let me just milk this and we'll get a little some shots up Wednesday. And no, I'm kidding. He's not like that at all. When you were talking to Trevin, just kind of in the stretching yep. area, what, what was kind of your message to him right now? Well, just a fun challenge for him. I mean, you know, um, it was not a dissimilar matchup with San Diego last night. And, and, and uh, her uh, coach Sendek went straight at um, Who's, the, who's the, the little white guard for San Diego? Joey Calcaterra. He went, Justice went right out Calcaterra, like, to, you know, to, to start the game. They were like, we're going right at We like the mismatch. We're going right at him. I'm, I'm sure they look at our lineup and say, oh, we're going to go the same direction. So Trev got a huge challenge now to begin this game. Can he step up and, and, and can he manage this? And it's, it's actually super fun. Like, the matchups are really fun. And, and there's ways Trev can really attack on the other side of the ball. So it's going to be fun. There are times during the season where you kind of look at some metrics that you guys have internally or whatever is available for the public, and you see a player like, oh, one of, one of my players is doing great right now in this area, yep. defensively or, or whatever it is. Yep. How do you adjust for that? What's the message there? How do you get them to care about the numbers but also care about the long-term vision? Yeah, so the last couple of weeks I've been just scratching my head because we're using these leverage numbers, which is a new analytic for us. It's super comprehensive. And, and um, there's, there's some leverage numbers for players that do not match up with what I'm seeing with my, with my eyes. And it doesn't match up with how I'm coaching. There was one player in particular that's super frustrating for me because I'm trying to dig deeper and deeper in the numbers and try and explain it. Like... Um, you know, those are when the numbers get really interesting. Was was when they don't match what you see. They don't match what you're expecting, and so that is a constant fight. Coach Figer and Coach uh, and Keegan Brown and me were in the office for two hours this afternoon, arguing, trying to dig deeper and deeper and figure out why these leverage numbers are kind of telling us something that is exactly the opposite of how we feel. And so you wrestle with them, right? The numbers, the numbers are never wrong. It's just how we understand them and the emphasis that we put into them. But there's no numbers that are comprehensive, right? And so it's, um, you know, unfortunately, we need a lot smarter people running this program to kind of digest all this than me. And so we're just hacking away at it. But you, we, we, we find times where our eyes are not matched up with the numbers all the time. And that's when it gets really interesting. That's why, that's why you use them. You don't just follow them blindly because you, if you're blind to the numbers, you could use the numbers wrong, right? So uh, it's really challenging. I mean, we're talking about a leverage number that we're talking about offensive efficiency versus uh, the, the you know who is ending the possession and the percentage of times they were using the end of the possession. We had them on a graph uh, plotted out, and so you know we had a couple guys that were uh, ending the possession. Um, not it's a little bit like a bell curve not often enough for their usage and some guys that weren't and it's 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 just a way more in-depth kind of conversation about something that we generally talk about is just general usage is a pretty simple idea and so just trying to find um you know what is super meaningful and we believe in to make changes and what is kind of like ah i get it but that's not really taking you know those metrics aren't taking other things into account you can tell it's driving me crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they're big, man. I mean, starting with this uh, Jay Will is is huge. I mean, you know, and he's kind of point guard, off guard, just a guard, right? And he's just 
he just brings so much size to the equation and it makes itself uh, complicated in a bunch of different places so one defensively clearly just shooting over the top but also seeing over the top and all of a sudden pass angles that are normally complicated and normally you could take away and they take some time he 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 makes those passing passes easy. Like he doesn't need to find a window or an angle or anything. He just pass over the top. And then defensively, you know, they'll V back a lot on ball screens. And so normally V back, you're thinking about take it to a roast, or you're thinking about let's run a curry out of it, or let's just you know let's just take advantage of the the big or whatever. But um, you know, it's almost like switching same size, right? When they switch, you know, you you got Jay Will guarding you, and and then you got Vrankic guarding you, you know, because they switched, and and you, you don't have any size advantage, and so, um, you know, it's it shows itself in a in a in a ton of different ways, and uh, you know, Herb's smart coach, Coach Sandek's a really smart, obviously a really smart coach, and uh, they use it to their advantage, their length, it's it's a it's a problem. Yeah. Has that relationship carried on since you've been in the league? Yeah, just casually. I mean, I, I, I love him so much and I respect him so much. He's one of the great storytellers. He's one of the great storytellers of all the time. I don't know how, I, you know, I don't hear him with the media a lot, but like in private, man, he could tell stories. He's a great speaker. He's, he's uh, you know, he would be, he would digest all these numbers in a second. You know, he's a Wharton grad and, you know, I think his mom is probably one of the few moms in the world that's more disappointed that he didn't go to into, you know, he's got a Wharton degree and he go to finance. And so, but man, he's had an unbelievable career. Just won his 500th game. It's 500 games, guys. Wow. Going back to the size, like you, you got a Tiki who had that impressive stretch in, in yep. the practice state of the rebound and then the block and then the yep. uh, finishes. That, that growth from Atiki, what uh, your impressions of that stretch for him? Yeah, it's really important for us. You know, we've talked about it since the beginning of the season. Foose and Atiki, just because of the situation we're in, you know, our ceiling is a little bit connected to those two guys. And it's really fun to see them grow because they're both growing really quickly. And, and so it's, it's, it's fun because the guys witness it. You know, um, you know, the guys appreciate it also. And everybody's watching it in real time. Coach, you talked last week about what the AP polls mean to you, um, and just the reputation of the program. What, what are your thoughts on being ranked just one outside? Yeah, we just we just one out, man. I think we're 24, 10 Palm, 25 Net, 26 AP. So it's um, it's. I mean, it sounds like that's probably where we should be ranked. I mean, it's pretty good consistency right there. And um, this will be another opportunity this week. We got two really tough games on the road, so it'll be an opportunity to prove if we be- if we belong there. If we don't, uh, we've had good fortune. You know, um, St. Mary's now at home jumped into a quad one win, so hopefully they can maintain that because that really helps us. It gives us a- another quad one win versus a quad two, and and uh, I think Oregon now. Is, is finally jumped into a quad one, or they're right there on the. I think they jumped to 49 in the net, so they're a quad one. And they that, that should be a. I mean, this this Oregon game, that should be like a quad zero. They're so good. And I mean, they say it was a neutral, but it was in Portland. I mean, it was, I don't know how much less neutral you get that. I mean, you walk around Portland, you, there's ducks everywhere. In fact, I kid you not, you see these ducks on TV, and they look so cute. You know what I mean? Like, they look like they look fuzzy and they got a big beak. You see them in person, they're freaking terrifying. 
Have you seen a duck in person? Like they're waddling around, quack, 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 and they're, they're like, yeah, I mean, it is terrifying. So you think about going to play that great team with all these ducks running around, it's, it's scary. So we should get more credit for that. But the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty consistent right where we are. And I'm super proud of where we are. I mean, I wish we were one spot up, but we got to earn it. We have a chance to earn it. I know you like routine. When you go on the road, is there a certain routine? You try to get these guys ready to play? Yeah, we, we kind of do. I mean, we're super boring that way. We, we do the same thing over and over. You know, I think Tony Bennett's one of the great – uh, coaches in all of college basketball and I don't know him well but he's been generous a couple times on the road in the summer he's been willing to let me sit down and just ask him questions I know it's annoying as can be but it's what I do and um, you know one time he told me he's like one of the biggest challenges we have is you know and this is you know a program that I don't know how many years in a row they won the ACC outright and the championship and won the NCAA championship but he's like one of the most challenging things we have is our guys getting bored because we do the same thing over and over and over and over again every day and that's actually how you become really good at things. And so, you know, I believe in routine. I think it's really important. I also believe that we got to change things up as much as we can to stay fresh. But um, our routine is important to us. Coach, you're around these guys a lot. You have personal relationships with them. I'm, it's kind of like a great question. But what do you find quirky about this team? You know, whatever, whatever that word means to you, what do you find quirky about <sighs> Great question. Um, Uh, this team's got a lot of a lot of fun personality, right? This, you know, I'll tell you what's interesting, and this is not so quirky, but it's really interesting. This this team has got like growth everywhere, um, like and and growth in all kind of different ways. Like I got something from Seneca Knight in the last couple of days that I have not got from him, and it's really important. It has nothing to do with basketball, right? Um, you know. Uh, you know, you, you have the Atiki and Foos uh, kind of growth that's really, really fantastic. Um, you have the growth of these two veteran point guards, these two great players in Alex and Tijon. It's way different, but it's super exciting to watch. It's really, really fun. Like Alex Barcelo right now is taking strides to grow in ways that he's probably been pushing me to, to, to have the room to grow for two and a half years and now he's ready right it's time and Tijon Lucas has grown in this magnificent way as a leader of man right that's so beautiful and and um and, you know and then you have these guys like uh like Spencer Johnson who is is growing uh in such immense ways and nobody's even talking about it right um, so I think I think in that you know when you have growth it makes things really dynamic. Like our locker room changes every day, and it's pretty cool. So not really quirky, but I think it's something fun, and I think it's something that's been really, really, really engaging for me. When you first started recruiting Spencer years ago, what did you see in him? Can you kind of you know, take us to where he is now and how that growth you've seen in him? Well, most of the guys that I recruit tell me no, and Spencer was one of those guys. And uh, but we got a second crack at him, and uh, you know he. I think I think he just felt sorry for me. So he was like, ah, I told this guy no one time, so maybe this time I'll I'll do it. And um, I'll tell you, Spencer Johnson's story is 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 pretty awesome because Spence, um, you know, I actually fell in love with him when he was playing his senior year, summer before his senior year in high school, where I was like, man, this guy, just like, you look at him and you don't think he can make these plays, and then he makes every play at every level. And um, he just has a poise about him that's really incredibly special. And then, 
and then we tried to recruit him really hard, and he was he was just not drinking the Kool Aid, man. He could see right through me, and then uh, then he went on his mission, and then coming back, you know, he went to Weber, and it wasn't quite the right fit, and then he went to UVU, and it wasn't quite the right fit, and then he did something that takes a ton of courage, man. He left a Division One scholarship and went to play junior college his second year, and that takes a ton of courage. I mean. It's it's really an extraordinary thing, because because you know you take that step back and people kind of write you off. You know, it, could, it I think at times it could feel like you're confirming the fact that maybe what people have said. You know, you always hear people saying you're not good enough, and then you're going from Division One back to junior college. To take a step backward takes an immense amount of courage. Most of us wouldn't. Most of us would just kind of hide somewhere and be like, I'm fine not getting time but I'm not, or, or not being in the right place, but I'm doing it. So you think about the courage it took for Spence to do that. And then he was – and you're also – at the end of the day, you're saying it takes so much courage to bet on yourself. And that's what he did. He bet on himself. He's like, I know I can do this. I know given another chance, I can go prove to everybody in the country that I am good enough to go play this game. And so his, his first year in junior college, it was his first year where he really had his mission legs back. You know, it takes some time to get that done, and he had some continuity. And I went and saw him in a tournament in the fall in Colorado, maybe, like a um, two-day deal. And my gosh, he was putting on a show. And the thing that stood out to me more than anything else was his closing speed. His closing speed is, and that's what we watch every single game, is is – like you just don't see players with the ability to do what he does at this level, at any level in college basketball, you don't see it. And then that combined with his toughness and, and this, I mean, Spence only weighs about 60 pounds, but he's got a physicality with this game that's so skilled. It's like a skilled physicality. It's so special. And so then I found myself in the same spot where I'm begging him to be like, please just, just talk to me one, give me one more chance. And he's been a star, man. It's it's incredible to watch. Like, you know, he's probably the most undervalued person on our team. And I'm not saying that because um, I'm not saying that because because we undervalue what he does. What I'm saying is he gets the least amount of attention for the incredible work that he does. Like we, there's no chance. There's zero chance we have the success we had this year, last year. No chance without him. None. Like he's one of the few guys that I just put on the court, and I'm just like, eh. in fact, it's starting to hurt me to, to to keep the rotation. Like I'm like, I gotta, I gotta put somebody else in. I gotta give somebody else a chance to play some minutes. And I'm like, ah, I wish we could play six guys. The, the problem with Spence too is he never gets tired. So a lot of these guys, I can be like, oh, good, he's tired. I can move on with the rotation. Spence never gets tired. He's shooting the ball unbelievably well. His, all his metrics are ridiculous. So he's crushing it. Great story, man. Coach, there's a talk on in the football side of college sports with the transfer portal. I'm curious just from your thoughts. Uh, you built the, the program roster with guys from the portal. Uh, do you feel like the portal has been a good thing for college sports right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's good and bad. It's everything. Like, everything's good and bad, right? But the portal's what we got. And so what we'll do is focus on the greatness of the portal. And so the portal's a great thing. 
uh, and that's what I'm going to choose to focus on is, is um, you know, I've seen guys come into my program that are that are feeling a little bit broken and find new life and new determination. And it, and it's almost like the, the change is so scary and so humbling that it lets you start over or reset. And for the guy in the right spot in his life, it can change his life forever. I've also seen guys leave my program a little bit, you know, hurt and a little bit struggling and go somewhere else and actually find new life to their game, right? And so um, so I think what I'm going to do is choose to take this portal is, is, is all the positives of it. And, um, and you know, I think, I think what it's done is it's made everybody feel a little bit older. Like it's, it's somehow with COVID and portals combined, like everybody we play feels older. Like I think, I don't know what the numbers are, but in my mind, we're like right in the middle of the WCC in terms of age of our team. I don't know how common that is for BYU, right? I think it's normally the opposite. And, and um, you know, so I, 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 I believe in second chances, man. I believe it. I believe in second chances when I'm the good guy and when I'm the bad guy because these young men, they get one chance to do this, meaning they get one run through college athletics, right? And so if the best thing for a guy is to, is to take the hit and go through that process, which is a really tough process, and get a fresh start, and if he's ready to use it, let's go. Like, it's awesome. I mean, we're a school of redemption. That's what BYU is, right? That's what we believe in. I mean, that's the heart of everything we believe in here at BYU is second chances. Like, we are the second chance school right I mean that's the atonement of Jesus Christ that's what it is and so if you think about um, this transfer portal as second chances then I think it's a it is a beautiful thing that that fits in incredibly where here with what BYU stands for I really do that's Mark Pope coming up next seven o'clock hour what is trending get you caught up on the NBA college basketball Arizona and UC Los Angeles had a big game the two leaders in the Pac-12 and then some hires in college football, or NFL football, I should say, and also resignation. Yeah, a big deal. We'll get it all next, and then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk some Baseball Hall of Fame with Steve Clocky. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. I like him because his energy, his energy, his effort, like, he's passionate about it. We are passionate about it, obviously, so, like, of course, that's going to bring chemistry. But not only that, he's a great dude. Off the court, he's a great dude. To me, that's before basketball, because having human traits like that, characteristics, it speaks a lot about your character. He's the head coach of the Utah Jazz. He can walk around with his head up, but he don't do that. He wants everybody to have the same energy. He wants everybody to be on top. He wants everybody to succeed, because that's the type of person he is. That's He's a selfless person. So true. He can walk around with his head up, but he don't do that. That's Daniel House. You like Daniel House or do you like Joe L. Embiid? Or do you like Daniel Tice? Hmm. Jacob L. Hatch. It's not an L, but you know. Jazz back in action tonight. What's left of them? Playing the Suns, the league-leading Suns. 
Now, I got to do DJ. Uh, usually when teams play together consecutively in such a short period of time, they split. That's what I heard as a nine-year-old. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you have a point. <laughs> got to make people feel comfortable. If the Snick Dog's not here to get their morning going, they feel lost. He's been doing it for 35 years. He's gotten them through all the tough times. Not me. I've added to the tough times. He's gotten them through the tough times. So I got to figure out ways to be him for the next three days until he comes back on Monday. Man, you talk about heavy as the head that wears the crown. As my best friend Rick Majerus used to say, over and over. So, we'll see. Playing the same team within a three-day span. Because Gobert and his calf strain and Mitchell and the concussion protocol, they're out. O-U-T, out. They will not play. At least what the injury report said yesterday. No longer on that. I used to be on that. But there was a transaction made somewhere along the line, and I got bumped off of it. He used to get texts on that. So when he made a conscious decision, like Sniggy, he made a conscious decision that I was going to suck up to the soccer people so I can get to do the play-by-play and get the crap out of the studio. Somebody made a conscious decision to take me off that list, and I've been hurt ever since. So we'll see if they have any more. They'll put out uh, a couple tonight, and we'll see if anybody else is out. Now for the Suns, they have two starters out, too. Aiden and Crowder, and then McGee, JaVale McGee, is out. So the Suns' top two centers are out. I talked about this an hour ago. Biombo, I assume, was going to get the start for Phoenix. They're way short of big man. Is that enough to overcome? Or our injuries are greater than their injuries. Now the two All-Stars are out, so you'd think Crowder's not an All-Star, neither is Aiden. So you'd think that would be advantage Suns. But you got to find a way, man. See what happens tonight. Starts at 8 o'clock. It's a later game on ESPN. It'll also be on, what do they call the, the they call it AT&T now? AT&T Sportsnet. Okay. Coverage with Lacombe and Jake Scott begins right here at 7 o'clock on our station with the pregame show. So listen in, and we'll see what happens. There you go. That is your jazz right here with DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Capazzo has at the midcourt circle. Ten seconds left to go in the third quarter. He dribbles off to the right side. Now a short clock. Great pass to Jokic, and the layup is up and in. What a feed by Capazzo. Curry, step back, takes a two on the way. That's good. Stephen Curry, four for four, has nine points. He's feeling it. Harden blows the layup. He was all by himself. Now the Lakers have numbers. And LeBron's going to take it to the basket at the other end. Count it! It should count at the end of the quarter. Clippers don't have a timeout. Neither does Washington. Man, gets it in for Winslow. He'll move it from left to right. No foul given yet, and now they're going to... Oh, no, get it to Kennard. Three seconds left. Top of the key, put up the three. He's fouled. Oh! Luke Kennard buries it. A four-point play. And the Clippers with a chance to go up front. One second remaining. This team is next level. Winslow inbounds. Coffee's got it. The buzzer sounds. The bench rushes the floor. The Clippers have done it. Luke Kennard. Wins it with a four-point play. 116-115, your final score. It's the second largest comeback in NBA history. 
Clippers, the Clippers are next level. They're also 24 and 25. And they're playing without their, their big studs, the two guys. They find a way to win. How about that, man? It can be done. You lose your two All-Stars. You don't have to immediately have an excuse that you can't win. That's kind of fresh, isn't it? That'd be nice. Some people. Kennard with a four-point play. The Clippers, what were they, down by 35? Now they say that that is the second largest. And the largest, you may remember, is the Jazz. In 1996, on this very building in which I sit, overcame a 36-point deficit to beat the Nuggets. Remember that, thinking, man, they're going to go down. And that was when they were really, really, really good. That was when everybody played 82 games a year. The good old days, huh? Yeah. So they got the comeback, man. The first team in the past 25 seasons to have erased a deficit of 24 or more points to win three games this season. And they've done it all this month. The comeback kids. How about that? Yeah. And Tyron Liu, he had enough. He benched most of his starters to start the third quarter. Nick Batum out. Zubach out. Amir Coffey. With 29 points. That's more than a cup of coffee. He takes it to the cup. I never understood why they call it a cup. That's like calling a golf hole the basket. A cup has a bottom. It's not a cup. I know it sounds cool. But it's not a cup. Stop saying it's a cup. And Kennard with 25. And our guy Terrence Mann, 16 points. Terrence Mann up for sure. Clippers with that nice win. Then we also heard the Warriors. Warriors pounded the Mavs. The Mavs have been playing well, 10-2 in their last 12. I was looking forward to that game, and they just hammered him. Kaminga, their first-round pick, man, with a big game. Like 22 points in 18 minutes. I think he missed one shot. He's 4-4 from three. Correct. Whoa, baby. Keep an eye on him, man. The Warriors, will they continue it as the other guys get a little older? They got some help. Speaking of help, Lakers got back Tony Davis. Big man, you know him as Anthony Davis. He didn't do a whole lot, but he missed 17 games. We'll see when he gets hurt again. They beat Brooklyn, who's uh, without Irving, without uh, Durant. Harden had a triple-double, if that matters for you. LeBron James continues to roll, man. He is an impressive player at his age. What's he, 37 now? Wow. He just 33 points. He just looks so good. Didn't look like he's uh, slowing down at all. Mavs losing Tim Hardaway Jr. Now, I saw that. I didn't see I see it on, on the rundown sheet. It is a fractured foot. Fractured fifth metatarsal in his left uh, foot. This going to be an extended, obvious yeah. return window. That's a major blow. He's their top bench scorer. Yeah, yeah, he's a player. He's a player. Nuggets get a nice win. Jokic goes off again. So, for the Bulls, forward Derek Jones Jr., fractured right index finger. We're working out with the team, and you'll miss six to eight weeks. they got everybody missing six to eight weeks there. They've just been battered by injuries big time. And the Blazers, Cody Zeller, he underwent knee surgery. He'll be reevaluated in two-plus months. At that point, the season will be virtually over, so we'll see you next year. And we'll see what they do. We'll see how much they rip it up. It's going to be intriguing. You know, a lot of talk of the trade talk, and I read this yesterday, you know, you're constantly looking for stuff that's out there. It's like it's never-ending, you know? If you you go home, my, my deal, I usually go home, go to the gym, get some to eat, get on the internet, uh, go pick up the kid from school, 
blah, blah, blah. This time of year, it's the same thing just virtually every day. Today, I watch some golf because the what I call the L.A. Open is uh, starting today. We'll get to that in a bit here. And uh, then by 4, 5, 6 o'clock, you get back on, and there's a whole new bunch of stuff that's out there. And I saw yesterday the Jazz being interested in Covington with the Blazers. Now, he's a de- defensive guy, got a lot of energy on the perimeter. So I'm interested, really interested to see what the Blazers decide to do. How much do they tinker? Do they blow it up? What level of in-between would there be? Uh, where are they going with this thing? Because obviously these this group of guys isn't going anywhere. And Lillard, I, I saw where he said he's really not in a hurry to come back. I mean, he shouldn't be. The team is just garbage. Do they get rid of him? You know, he's a Hall of Fame player, I think, for sure. So do they try to trade him for three or four assets, whatever that might be. Interesting stuff. Interesting times for Portland uh, because they got to do something. They got to have some type. You can't keep doing the same thing. That's obviously that definition of insanity has been the Warriors or the uh, Blazers and what they've been doing now over and over. All right, there's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college basketball. This was supposed to be a big game. Two teams undefeated in the Pac-12. Historically, the two best programs. You had Arizona, which had only had one loss going up against uh, UC Los Angeles. And the Bruins, man. At Pauly, they had fans there. They hammered them 75-59. Excuse me, 75-59. They opened up a 10-point lead there. Towards the end of the first half, I was watching that game. It was a late start, 9 o'clock our time. And they held it and uh, basically extended it. And the Cats could not really get back into it. So that was the marquee game because you got uh, the Bruins at 7. And then the Arizona Wildcats had moved all the way up to 3. Tommy Lloyd, the Gonzaga assistant in their first year, his first year. So that's pretty cool as far as that goes. He's having a really good season as they continue to be a basketball school for sure. All right. Uh, who do we got? Utah tonight, 8 o'clock, Washington State. Opportunity to get a win. Utah's only 1-9. and nine. I mean, they've bottomed out, obviously. I would think they're going to be 1-done and done on that Wednesday in uh, Vegas. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but I, I think they're still going to win... Uh, they got uh, they got nine more games, eight more games. No wait, they're playing. How many they play? They're playing twenty this year. If they get them all in, I mean, who knows? Yeah, they're uh, halfway through. Yeah, so they got uh, ten more conference games because they moved them up. They moved up to the, to have two more. So we'll see. Hopefully, they can get them all in. And my guess is they find a way to win. I mean, they won one and nine in the first half. I think they at least get two. Step one is getting Brandon Carlson back. Yeah, I'm hoping he might play tonight. And he was doing some limited stuff. He's a nice player for them. So I think they've got an opportunity to get uh, maybe three or four more wins in the second half of the conference season. And that'd be good for them. That's 8 o'clock tonight on the Pac-12 Networks. You've got Utah State against San Diego State. Now Utah State, the Aggies, they've slipped off a little bit, 10-9, 1-5. A lot of close losses. Uh, and the Aztecs at 3-1 and one in the conference. Uh, that's at home tonight at uh, 8.30. It'll be on Fox Sports 1. Scotty will have it. I'm sure we'll have it on our station, right? Correct, yeah, 1280 a.m. 1280 a.m. Uh, Louisville's coach, uh, Mac, he's supposed to be out. 
That's one so, of your premier yeah. jobs. Yeah, so I have a meeting today with head honchos down there at Louisville. They actually don't have a university president or a permanent yeah, AD they're all, currently. They're all interim. Bring back Patino. <laughs> <laughs> From Iona. <laughs> He'll win. He'll, yeah. he, uh, he's sort of like the Urban Meyer of uh, college basketball. He'll win for you, no doubt about it. But there's going to be some baggage along the way. And uh, we'll see. Do they, do they come after Mark Pope? People are going to come after Mark Pope. It's just the way it is. And he's going to have to decide what he wants to do. We just played him. The guy, I mean, what, what's the phrase? He can sell ice or snow to an Eskimo or something. Whatever that uh, cliche is. Sell ice to an Eskimo. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, he is he's something, you know. BYU is a school of redemption. Second chance you. Which means if you're good and you want to transfer, come here. We're going to the Big 12. We need you, brother. He's selling. He sells at all times. He's a master salesman. I was talking to one of their administrators one time, and we were laughing about it. I said, yeah, I was make sure I got my hand in my wallet. When we're on that guy. I mean, he is an unbelievable salesman, and he's done well. You have to admit it. He's got a ton of energy, and he's done well. i got to give him credit. He's put pump juice into the program, and I think they're headed for the NCAAs again this year. So if you count the COVID year, that'd be three for three. Now they got to have some success in there. Uh, last year they were one and done as, what, a six seed? Now they played the Bruins, who end up going to the Final Four, so maybe that was unfair. But nevertheless... You start got to start having some success, particularly as you build into the conference that you're going to go into. There's your college basketball right here in 97.5, 1280 Zone. Hashtag NFL. Stepping, stepping outside like in the cold weather today and being a little uncomfortable professionally or, or from a career standpoint is okay. I don't like the word retirement. Mr. B didn't like it either. He always said, you know, retirement's overrated. Once you make a decision, that's a decision, and you're moving forward. And until you get to that certainty, don't make a decision. But there also is a time frame for this because I understand that my decision does impact a number of other people's decisions, and I want to be very sensitive to that. And so I will uh, definitely make a decision sooner. Well, the latter is Aaron Rodgers. Has there ever been a player in NFL history who gets more airtime for not playing than Aaron Rodgers? It seems like it's every day with something. He's got something to say, and there's some soundbite that Aaron Rodgers is giving almost every day. And it seemed like last offseason, it just was all the time. And we'll see what that soap opera leads to. Does he retire? Does he come back? Does he get moved? All that stuff there. He's getting up there. What's he, 38 now? Uh, so we'll see. Sean Payton. Mr. B, I assume that's uh, Mr. Benson, not Mr. Belvedere. Yeah, the late Tom Benson. And uh, who was it? Is it his wife or his... Uh... Gail Benson is now the owner, yes. Yeah. His, his wife. And she was out there saying, well, we'll find out. Well, we did find it. He's a step away for at least a year. That's funny because it was all step away. Not quit. Not retire, but step away. I don't like the word retire. That was the phrase. Well, if I had enough money, I'd love the word retire. (laughs) I think Sean Payton's got plenty of money. I don't have plenty of money, so uh, I have to keep working, such as it is. I mean, I barely call this work, but nevertheless, uh, he's going to step away. Now, he's under contract with the Saints through 2024, so obviously this is just 2022. So what's he going to do? Is he going to just take a sabbatical? I, I don't know that I've ever heard of that. 
there's a lot of speculation that he'll be working with one of the TV networks for the next year. He said he's at least taking next year off. So right. Not but that, but okay. But since you're under contract to the Saints, you don't. I don't think I've heard of guys take time off. That yes. that's happened. Yeah, but he's under contract. Regularly. But I don't know. If they take a time off for a year and then come back and coach the team, the same team that you left. I would. Has doubt, that ever happened? I would doubt that. Yeah. Like, there's some speculation that his defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen, may get elevated to head coach, but is that for a one-year basis? Uh, who knows? Yeah, that would be really weird if he just took a year off and then came back. And what does it mean for our guy, Taysom? I saw a lot of speculation. That means Taysom is gone-gone. I don't know about that, man. Is the only player, the only coach he could play for was Peyton? Well, the Packers sure thought they had something in him, and Peyton stole him away. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. If he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, it matters the coach, but there ought to be more than one is what I'm trying to say. Or just an NFL player. And plus, I think he's an NFL roster guy. Yes, I mean, he come is. on. He's a player. And still, as long as he comes back from the foot injury, uh, what he has, Liz Frank? Second she wrecked time. his foot? Yep. That's what he had in Nebraska, right? When, Correct. When uh, Mangum came off the bench and threw the Hail Mary. It requires... Full of grace, the Lord be with thee. It require multiple surgeries to fix it, but hopefully he comes back. I know that prayer. Said it often, going to grade school. CYA, right? CYA? Oh, no. What was the CYO? <laughs> CYO, my bad. Catholic Youth Organization. CYA. CYA is separate, you know. <laughs> and CYA, well, you're playing CYO, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, Johnny Harbaugh nearing an extension. That'd be cool. I mean, I think he should get it for sure. Uh, see what happens there. Uh, he's in the final year of a four-year deal. Now, it's not like college to where you can't really let him go in to be a lame duck season. It doesn't, re- doesn't do well for recruiting. Now, he's been there for 14 years already. Wow, that's a long time. You see his uh, predecessor? You know who his predecessor was? Yeah, Brian Billick. Former BYU tight end. Yeah, he is going to join Hermstaff down there in the desert. Yeah, going to have three ex-head coaches Marvin in the Lewis NFL. Already there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be an offensive analyst. Uh, he's like 67, 68 years old. Yep. Uh, we'll see if he's got the fire. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He was a pretty good coach for them. Uh, but coming back, sort of uh, a, a lower level, Dick Vermeil being out for a real long time, and now going to be an offensive analyst for Herm Edwards, and their offense sucked this year. Uh, Jaden Daniels, I mean, he throws a good long pass. It's not completed, but he does. It's very pretty. He throws a pretty long ball. Oh man! If I hear that one more time, I'm going to kick him right in the soccer balls. Antonio Brown and his attorney, Sam Burston. Now, is that any relation to Ellen Burston? An actress? I have no clue. (laughs) Going to seek legal action for the money that's uh, supposed to be him for his ankle surgery and the money he feels owed to him. And then Byron Leftwich are saying he's going to be the coach of Jacksonville. Now, he was Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator. He was also formerly a quarterback for the Jacksonville. Sure. Yeah, he was the number one pick. Yep. And he was uh, offense. He was quarterback coach and then I think coordinator when Bruce Arians was in Arizona. Correct. And then uh, Arians, when he got the Tampa Bay job, he rehired his coordinators, which was Bowles, who's who's former Jets coach. Interviewing with the Raiders, apparently. Yeah, and then uh, Lethwich. Yeah. 
both of those guys. And Leth, Leth, Leftwich seemed like he was an up-and-comer, so he's got an opportunity to have that. The Bears are hiring uh, Casey's executive director of player personnel, Ryan Poles, 36 years old. Uh, let's see, he interviewed Jim Caldwell in Chicago. Wow, that's three African-Americans. See if they all get the jobs. That'd be great for the NFL if they're the most qualified. I'm all for it. Absolutely, yeah. Go with that. All right, that is your NFL, extensive NFL coverage as the NFL continues to motor on right here with DJ and PK, 97.5, The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. I first of all want to thank God, you know, for giving me the opportunity to be part of this uh, very elite group of players. That's what pretty much every player dream of, the support throughout the year from my family. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would have done it without the support coming from the family, you know, the families. And, uh, man, the Red Sox, I mean, the fans, everybody around who pretty much encouraged me to be uh, the player and the person that I became to be. Thanks, God, you know, everything came, came out together at the right time, and here we are. <laughs> David Ortiz, I like him. Here we are. <laughs> the guy who was cut from the Minnesota Twins. He played for the Salt Lake Buzz. In a few minutes, we'll have uh, Steve Clockey on to reminisce, tell us what he knows about Big Poppy. And then he goes on to Boston, and uh, we know the story, legendary career, three World Series titles. And here he is, the only guy to get in through the uh, regular way. You can make your way on the ballot for 10 years now, which means Clemens, Bond, Sosa, and Schilling those guys are all at the 10-year mark, so they're gone. They did not get in their final year of eligibility on the baseball writer's ballot. Now, the Veterans Committee could still induct them. Clemens and Bonds, obviously with the steroids. Sosa, too. Schilling, uh, does he have the good enough stats? Uh, you know, his stats aren't overwhelming, but he was a big-game pitcher. Doesn't that count for something? Now he's got the uh, out there politics. I'd say the politics are also playing. But I mean, should, should it should that play in? It Where do we go with this? Not. Who gets to decide? Now? Most of the it's my experience, having been and worked for newspapers for twenty three years, that most folks there are liberal. That's just the way it is. You can argue about it all you want, but that's the fact that I saw. Now maybe it's changed. Because it's been 14 years since I've held a daily newspaper job. And maybe it's changed. My guess is it hasn't changed. My guess it's even gone even more so in that direction. So now they're the moral authority. They get to judge. Hey, the showing is too far out there for my taste. But what about on the field? We'll hit all of that with Steve Clowkey coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Stay with us. Let's go to golf now. Finish it off where we get to hear Yoxter say, golf. Golf. <laughs> Hit that thing. All right, they move up the freeway a little bit. I won't bore you with the freeways from uh, Palm Springs to the L.A. Open over there at the Riviera Country Club, where I once had Sylvester Stallone touch me on the left shoulder in the media room where he said, excuse me, as he tried to get by. Because a bunch of celebrities come out and watch the L.A. Open. I've been to Riviera multiple times, never played it. But I've been there and I've walked it. That's where they're at. Oh, wait. That, that, I went through all that and they're not even there. I was going to say, I was my like, mistake. we're the farmers this yeah. week. They're in uh, Torrey Pines, which is La Jolla. La Jolla. Oh, my gosh. Did you see the uh, yes. uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis uh, Dustin Johnson put out a picture uh-huh. 
Oh, it looked gorgeous. <laughs> PJ Tour put a good one out there, too. Yeah, and he just said, a great day uh, to be had at La Jolla. Yeah, now I've been there multiple times, have walked that, never played that either. Now, those are two of them, and they're public. Yep, public, uh, uh, public courses. Yeah, but I haven't. Uh, and obviously, they're right on the ocean. Oh, my gosh. And it starts today. If you want to tease yourself, turn on the Golf Channel, and the views are just or unbelievable. ESPN yeah. Plus will also have it for you. Tony Finau is going to be in the field. Now, off the bat, he's playing with Shoffley and Swafford. Now, Swafford just won, didn't he? He won the Palm Springs. Correct. Whatever they call They call that the American Express. The American Express. And this is the Farmers Insurance Open uh, at Torrey. Yeah. Great weather in San Diego. I was texting with someone who's in San Diego this week, and he's having a fabulous time. And I'm happy for him. (laughs) All right. That is What is Trending. And What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up. We're going to hit this Hall of Fame controversy with our own Steve Clowkey. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. My mom used to tell me, everyone's going to get theirs. It all it all comes back in the end. Everyone's going to get theirs at the end of the day. And, and it just might be BYU's turn to get theirs. BYU fan loves that idea. All I'm saying. I will say, the BYU fan loves the idea of going, uh, we don't actually need you that much. And actually maybe mean it. In their best USC voice, by the way. (laughs) Oh, darling. I don't think I want to go up to Salt Lake City this year. I'd rather play in Los Angeles. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. I want to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, Mark Miller. Title sponsors, DJ and PK in the Morning, is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Now, here is joining as, as our local baseball excerpt, expert and Grateful Dead groupie, Steve Klauke. Steve, good morning. I'm grateful to be alive <laughs> at my age. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe it, man. You're you're you're, you're like what are you? Eighty two now? Um, I'll be sixty seven <laughs> this weekend. So yes, still this weekend. Well, happy birthday! Thank yeah, you. way to go. <laughs> I right. made it that far. Yeah, well, there you actually, go. I haven't yet, but we'll see. Oh, you know, and curse yourself like Betty White, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she didn't curse herself. It was all Somebody the magazines did. that yeah, yeah. were celebrating her 100th birthday. Yeah, yeah, a month before. Although that would be awesome if you lived a, a life uh, like she lived. That's Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, she was an all-time treasure. So they put in uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, mm-hmm. and he is a former buzz man, right? I mean, if I remember correctly, the buzz and all with the stadium and the great ballpark that's still going strong. It started in time for the 94 season. Is that accurate? That is correct. And uh, we were a Minnesota affiliate through the 2000 season, and David played a handful of games in 97 and in 98, but spent the entire season in 1999 
here in Salt Lake uh, with a September call-up later. And he, 30 home runs, 110 runs batted in the 30 homers was a team record for a left-handed hitter until Jared Walsh broke it two years ago with, with 36. He had you know, 35 doubles, like I say, 110 runs batted in. And uh, the, the problem for David at that point was I think it was only five games the entire season where he DH'd. He was at first base the entire year and set a franchise record that'll never be broken. And that's 20 errors in one season at first base. I mean, that's Ooh. almost that's almost impossible to do. He's not exactly Keith Hernandez over there at the, at the first. No, at first no, bag. no. And, and so I think that's why he <laughs> fell out of favor uh, with Minnesota. Of course, it didn't help that that year when he got called up, he went 0 for 20 at the plate. But uh, Tom Kelly, the longtime Twins manager didn't like DHs. He wanted to use the DH spot as maybe a half day off for his gotcha. regular lineup. And so, uh, you know, the, David really never had a chance to be successful with Minnesota. The best thing to happen to him was when the Twins released him. He ended up going to the Boston Red Sox where he had such a stellar career. Yeah, I saw that he has spent the most uh, percentage of his time as a DH. I think they said 88% mm-hmm. of his time was as a DH. I mean, and occasionally Boston would use him in, in a National League park where there was no DH. Uh, they'd use him at first base, but uh, for the most part, it was safe for all concerned to be uh, <laughs> at, the, at the DH spot. But he was, a, he was a fun guy when he was in Salt Lake. Uh, before he was the big poppy, he was known as the big O. Uh, with all due respect to uh, Oscar Robertson. And uh, <laughs> I guess my favorite uh, Ortiz story was one time he was taking batting practice, stopped what he was doing, and uh, put his bat down on home plate, started to walk around the batting cage, and nobody had any idea what he was doing. Well, it turns out he walked straight up to me, took his hat off, put it on my head, and said, here, the glare's bothering me. <laughs> And that's because you're a little follically challenged? Exactly. That's, that's the correct term that I use, follically challenged. So he's always been a big personality then? Absolutely, absolutely. And he just, you know, the Red Sox fans fell uh, you know, in love with him right away. Of course, uh, you know, the 2004 home run that extended that ALCS that led to the greatest comeback in postseason history uh, for the Red Sox over the Yankees. And you know, that just endeared him for the rest of his career. And he had that great personality he had the you know the profane uh, retort uh, in his uh, in the Red Sox comeback after the bombing situation yeah. uh, in the uh, Boston Marathon and uh, and that just endeared him even more and uh, I don't know of in, in in our last 20 years or whatever a guy who had more clutch hits than anybody else uh, in Major League Baseball and of course uh, it, it's interesting I was looking at his numbers he actually led the major leagues in doubles his last year as a player. Doubles and runs batted in, but the doubles thing really surprised me. Because he's not fleet of foot? Well, I, I just I can, I can see David stretching a lot of doubles into singles. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm wondering, uh, you and I have talked to baseball with you many times over the years. We're a couple of baseball guys. Uh, the only difference is I like going to concerts more, and I've gravitated towards soccer, and you've resisted both. Other than you that, other than other than that, we're <laughs> we're like brothers from different mothers. I mean, it's just right there. So you know, in my conversations with you over the years, you've been able to say, okay, this guy's going to be this and that, and so forth, and you're accurate and basically in your predictions. I'm wondering if you foresaw any of this, or what did you foresee for David Ortiz going forward after? 
after he was done with his minor league stints. It's interesting, PK, because uh, I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday about that. It's just, I, there's no way in the world I thought that. I thought he was maybe, maybe even just going to be a 4A player, a guy who puts up great numbers in the minor leagues, but not in the majors because he hadn't shown anything with Minnesota, and particularly after that big 1999 season with us going 0 for 20, uh, in, in the big leagues, I thought, okay, well, we'll probably see him again in 2000. Well, he did spend a couple of years in the big leagues with Minnesota, never coming back to the minor leagues before he ended up with Boston. So, no, I had no idea that uh, that was going to be what, what kind of a future that David Ortiz was going to have, let alone a Hall of Fame career. So he was another, what was it, uh, you thought he might be another Bernardo Burrito? Yes. I absolutely, absolutely. That's a good correlation there. I think uh, you know Bernardo was a guy. Maybe he never got the chance he deserved as a designated hitter uh, in the Twins organization, and it was his own fault that he never left the Twins organization because he kept re-signing with Minnesota because he loved playing for uh, the Buzz owner Joe Buzis, uh, partially because. He would pay him under the table, uh, like five hundred dollars for every home run that he hit, and a thousand dollars if it was a grand slam or a game winner. Ah, uh, Joe Buzis, the Bill Veck of minor league baseball. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that name. Those were uh, those were some good names. Now, Steve Clarkie joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, Mike Trout spent what three weeks here, yes. and then we we knew he was destined for stardom. The for before he even got here, right? So seeing what he's doing is not a surprise. So he's most likely going to go in the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm wondering, has there been another player, any other player, not necessarily just like an injury rehab, mm-hmm. but spent any fair amount of time here that is in the Hall of Fame? No. Uh, the only one that ever has prior to David was uh, an injury rehab guy, like you said. Paul Molitor played two games for us in 1998 down in Tucson and went uh, 5 for 10 at the plate. But uh, no, nobody else uh, uh, in this franchise's uh, history has made it to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I, I don't know that uh, there's anybody. I, mean, I guess the closest guy that could get there but probably won't would be Torrey Hunter. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know if it's done, but should they retire David Ortiz's number with the with the bees? I'd be curious to see which one because I think he wore primarily he wore twenty three in, 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 in a buzz uniform. And by the way, if, if, if people want to see it on YouTube, there's actually a, um, uh, this has been on YouTube for many many years. Uh, the uh, uh, I think it was KSL put together a, a David Ortiz Buzz highlight package, and it was uh, it was pretty interesting to watch. He was uh, he was definitely skinnier back then. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> Steve Cloudy joining us, and we know that right now there's a lockout. Can you explain what effect that will have on minor league baseball, particularly AAA with the Bees? Well, the good news is that there's no effect uh, in regards to the games being played. Uh, the, the minor league schedule will begin as uh, it is right now on April the 5th with the Bees opening in Tacoma. The only effect that there will be is that 40-man roster players won't be allowed to play. Now, I really think the lockout would be done by then, but just in case it's not. So that would cost... Salt Lake, maybe six or seven players, five or six players, something like that. And maybe guys who would normally be a double-A would be playing a triple-A. But as far as uh, uh, the games themselves, they will definitely uh, be played. Yeah, that's true. We're extending it now. That's uh, 
gosh, we get past uh, into April and they haven't settled these things. There's a bunch of knuckleheads at that point. Exactly, uh, exactly. Of course, the, the one thing that's going to be very interesting, I, don't, I haven't heard uh, uh, your opinion on this, but uh, Salt Lake is going to be one of the, I think, 10 or 11 uh, AAA ballparks in which there will not be uh, home plate umpires calling balls and strikes. They'll be there to call uh, safer out at the plate and check swings and all that. But uh, Salt Lake's going to be one of the uh, 10 or 11 ballparks where we're going to have robo-umpires. So they're going to have uh, lasers or whatever uh, around the ballpark, and they're going to determine what pitches a ball and what pitches a strike. I have to see how it goes. You know, I think that baseball needs to make some changes to quote-unquote modernize itself. Uh, for for fans, I mean, you look at what the NFL and NBA has done because ultimately, it I always put particularly at the pro level and and baseball, minor league, professional, uh, major league that that is pro baseball either way. So to me, it's first and foremost entertainment. I know for some folks, uh, particularly those involved, it's about winning, it's about competition. Uh, but for me, it's about entertainment. And if you can make the game more entertaining, now don't make it a joke. I'm not saying that. But if you can make it more entertaining, I'm all for it, whatever those changes might be. And so uh, I, I want to reserve judgment. You know, I, I think that instant replay has taken away to a large degree the uh, histrionics of Earl Weaver going out, turning right. the cap back, and just spitting, flying everywhere, going face to face with umpires. And and from a from a fan standpoint, that was always highly entertaining to see Billy Martin. You know, you, what's he going to do? You don't want it to get physical. I think Pete Rose had, had uh, kind of pushed an umpire once, right. but you know, the throwing of the, uh, the dirt on the home pl- on home mm-hmm. plate. People view that as entertaining. Now you can get carried away, chucking bases, or the, what was there one minor league dude who was out there. Uh, crawling like he was yeah, in the yeah, military or something. Uh, yeah, he was uh, yeah. crawling like he was an infantryman yeah, and yeah. throwing uh, <laughs> the rosin bag like it was a grenade. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, PK, because with all the technology that they have and setting this up with the robo umpires and all that, why is it in football we still rely on two guys with a 10 foot long chain to determine first downs? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and spotting, spotting of the ball. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but at the same time, if it's fourth down and, and inches, what did you get? You feel a surge of a jolt of energy go through the crowd, right. you know, as they stretch that thing out, and you're trying to judge it. No matter if you're at home or you're in the stands, you're trying to judge wherever you might be, and it adds to the drama of the sport. So again, that, so in that situation, the entertainment value is greater than it would be getting it right. Yes, <laughs> and for me, who normally doesn't care, I don't have an NFL team. Uh, I'm just I want to be entertained like last week I was entertained I mean it was entertained right. off the charts uh, and no matter it doesn't matter to me who wins I to me I view it as going to movie I want to be entertained and that, that that portion of it is entertainment so I have to see before yeah. you get out of here obviously the 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 guys the bonds Clemens uh, Schilling I, I think Sosa's sort of out there in no man's land mm-hmm. but those other three, you know, they were more pillars of the game. Their 10-year tour of being on the writer's ballot is over. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, you know, I, it's, it's interesting with, with those guys because I think all of them, maybe not so much Schilling, but certainly Bonds and Clemens, these guys, before they allegedly started uh, using steroids, 
they had Hall of Fame careers. Uh, I, I guess Bonds was enamored with the home run, uh, much like A-Rod was enamored with the home run instead of put, just putting up great overall numbers. And Clemens had great numbers. Now, obviously, maybe the steroids helped Roger have the amount of success he had late in his career and all that. Uh, I guess it's one of those things, uh, not everybody used it, but there was a, a vast majority, you have to think, uh, were using it. So they were... From a competition standpoint, it was fairly level. So, you know, maybe slap their hands and, and not vote them in on the first ballot or the second or whatever. But I think in the long run, they eventually deserve it. And uh, and even with Pete Rose, I think he deserves to uh, be in the Hall of Fame because everything that he was accused of and convicted of came as a manager and not as a player. Uh, don't let him back in baseball. Just let him be in the Hall of Fame. So I think those guys eventually will get in. Maybe not Pete. But the, I think the events, uh, I'll be curious to see, though, how the Veterans Committee handles all this, because they, they've kind of been staunch anti-steroid right. users. You know, obviously, David was accused of it one time, and the, and the one time he tested positive, that test was thrown out as invalid. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thought is that I was listening to Harold Reynolds talk, and he was saying that the, the one thing he thought steroids did is baseball. It's about what you do when you're gassed. You know, when you when you enter the season, everyone's fresh and so forth. But when we get into late July, August, and he felt that that's where the steroids really kicked in and the advantages because uh, at that point you got injuries, you got fatigue, you don't even know what city you're in, you're traveling all the time, blah blah blah. And he felt like that could put guys over the edge. As I look back at that error, it's like everybody looked the other way, and now all of a sudden we're going to look straight at him and say, "How dare you?" Well, let's put it this way, PK. The guy who oversaw the whole thing and hit it was in, is in the Hall of Fame, Bud Selig. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, uh, to get by the dog days of July and August and September back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, right. it was greenies. So right. uh, some, there was some sort of enhancement used all throughout the history of baseball. And it's basically been looked the other way in, in the other sports. So I don't know why the attention – maybe it's because baseball historically is so statistics-driven right, that right, people right. Uh, uh, look at it differently than they do. And uh, Because I'm sorry, but guys who are 6'4", 310 pounds on a football field shouldn't be running a four four six forty. I'm sorry, that's that's just not physically right. Yeah, that's what they were talking about on Baseball Network too. The problem with Bonds is he broke, arguably, maybe unarguably, the most sacred record, individual record of all of sports, and he broke it by someone who was viewed as the ultimate statesman of the game. And obviously, I'm talking about the home run record. So they were they were sort of surmising that if he would have just hit like 710 home runs, mm-hmm. maybe he'd have a better chance <laughs> well, to get think, in. You, you think he would have gotten in had he had the same uh, outgoing, friendly personality as David Ortiz? And he certainly didn't have that. He was, no. And the thing about him is that I was going to the same university that he was going to at the exact same time, mm-hmm. and I knew guys. And they were talking about that then. <laughs> a little thoroughly around campus. Eh? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Guys live. I live right next door to guys on the team. 
and and they were talking. I got to know them because I mean, I, and I went. I had been a big ASU baseball fan since the time I was 15 years old, and so I'd I would oh, they had the weekend series, and I would be there at least two of the three games. Maybe not the Friday night because I had to work, but I would be there Saturday and Sunday every home series. So I was a huge fan, and those guys were my guys. And so I had heard about that stuff, and certainly, yeah, that played in. And, and we got to go to break, and I, I wish I could keep you more because it's the same thing with Schilling. I just don't know that I want these writer types, these voters, to be arbiters of morality. Right. I, I feel a little uncomfortable. Even though I don't, I, Schilling is out there. I mean, he's way out there. There's Very no way so. I got that stuff going on in my life. I mean, I, I want to be way far more down the middle than he's ever been. But yet, I look at him, who do I want to give the ball to with the game on the line? Uh, in my lifetime, I mean, I, I'm, I don't remember Koufax and those guys, but guys that I've seen, Schilling has got to be right at the top. Yeah, there's a few uh, right there, obviously, uh, I guess in my lifetime, since I am older, I, I think it, it, for me it starts and stops with Bob Gibson. Of course, Gibson, yeah, but I, didn't, I never saw him. Well, I, I did, and he, right. was, he was fun to watch. Oh, I saw the stats, yeah, and, and, and he was unbelievable, no doubt about it, so all time. But I'm talking about, you know, in the 70s, 80s, right, and 90s, right. I mean, Schilling is... I think there's something there should be something for that, but I guess we'll see what the Veterans Committee do. Exactly. Does. All right. All right. Well, thanks. We appreciate your joining us and uh, giving us in that insight. And go Weber State Wildcats. Should be fun. Uh, fun night tomorrow night up at Northern Colorado. Battle for first place. All right. Thanks. There you Thank go. You. Thanks, Steve. That's Steve Clowkey. He's doing Wildcat uh, football and basketball, and of course he has been uh, doing the radio for the. What have they been? The Buzz. They've been. What were they? The Stingers and now the Bees, right? Correct. And he's seen literally hundreds of guys come through. Yeah. And Big Poppy did play here. He was here for three seasons. And the only real, not a uh, uh, injury replacement guy who's gone on into the Hall of Fame. All right. Stay with us. We got a lot more to get to. Coach Tim Lacombe is going to join us at the top of the hour, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. NBA jazz legend, Thurl Bailey. As a guy who played against him, I know you are the utmost professional, Thurl. You are nothing but professional, but come on, you kind of have to enjoy a little bit of what's going on with the Lakers right now, right? I'm loving it. I'm not that professional. No. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm still a fan, right? But at the same time, I remember those rivalries, and, and I know probably who the most villainized team still is in Jazz Nation. But, you know, it, again, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, you try to build a super team, if that's what they're still calling it. But as much as I'm impressed with what LeBron is doing individually, in answer to your question, yeah. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. It is Win Tickets Wednesday because today is Wednesday. Yeah. Lucky caller 12. Here's what you get. You win a family four-pack of tickets to watch the Utah Grizzlies takes on the Jacksonville Iceman. That's February 4th, which is next week, at the Maverick Center. Caller 12, win a family four-pack of tickets to watch the Grizzlies take on Jacksonville next week, February 4th, at the Maverick Center. All right, we went a little long with Steve Clarkie. We enjoyed talking to him. I'm a baseball guy. I make no freaking apologies, all you soccer people. I love yous, too. But I also like that game. 
And Clowkey's my man when it comes to that. And he has to get on a plane, go call Weber State basketball, where they're having a great season. Randy Ray is a great guy, and they're doing very well. We'll see what happens when they get to the tournament. But uh, maybe they'll play it here, and, and they'll get in the NCAA tournament. All right. So coming up next, we got to do some jazz, man. Jazz back in action. Who are they? What are they? Where are they going? Questions that Tim Lacombe asked many years ago. And now he's asking them again. And we'll get some answers. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I got to tell you, Valentine's Day is coming soon. And the beautiful staff at Jimmy's Flowers can create something beautiful for you, or you can get one of their ready-to-go arrangements for any budget. Jimmy's Flowers with stores in Bountiful, Layton, and Ogden. Online at jimmysflowers.com. Make sure you order early. That's Jimmy's Flowers, jimmysflowers.com. What's the name of this band again? Are we kidding? I can't think of it. Help me. Get the lead out. No, your band, I mean. Oh, no, that's not my band. I know it's not, but what's the name of you? Party Hounds. Party Party Hounds. Hounds. There you go. I was going to say, this is Led Zeppelin. This is Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin Live, 1973, Madison Square Garden. Oh, I was there. And this juices me every time I hear it. I was living 25 miles away from Madison Square Garden in 1973. Yeah, but you were seven. (laughs) (laughs) Forget that part. (laughs) Would you hitchhike? Hey, Mom, I want to go to the concert. Okay, Patty, take a cab. Well, take the train and then subway, boom, you're right there. Hey, I want to drop one rule out before we start. There will be no mention of the evil, your evil counterpart today. He's not here. He's out of mind. We don't say his name. Nerd boy. I don't like Snigs, okay? <laughs> I've got an issue with Snigs. You got an issue with the name or the person? Oh, the person. What, you're not into soccer and it's not your whole world? No, he's, he's far too kind. Oh, yeah. I is. mean, you've got to have some... Some tough exterior at some point. Well, get him downstairs sometime and ask him a couple questions about certain things, and and away he can go. Walking in the park the other day, what do you th- what, what do you think I saw? Oh, that's just carry on with the song. I was going to make up a. a oh, I, I, that's why I, I know this lyric. Where are we going? <laughs> I was just going to see where you sitting going. on a park bench. <laughs> <laughs> People are so in trouble for the next two hours. And of course, we can go Saturday in the park. Saturday! <laughs> I can go whichever way you want to go with park. Uh, so, now while well, the snake dog is uh, having some time off, regrouping, refreshing, he's having what did a phenomenal I just say? time. Don't talk about him. Well, I want to let the people know. Okay. Uh, and he'll be back on Monday. And I uh, exchanged some texts with him yesterday, and he's doing well. I get to see him once a week. We do that. Uh, we do the basketball panel. Sure. On Channel Two. Yeah, I used to be on it, but I'm banned from Channel Two now. I could see that you, yeah. you came on with quite. I mean, every I, I tuned in to just see what you were wearing that day. <laughs> if you'd bleached your hair blonde for the weekend, or <laughs> did it like for fourteen Arizona years. Arizona State hat with the fork. But uh, I'm out now. 
So it was fun. We'll see. Maybe I can get back in. And if they let me, that'd be great. If not, it was a great run, and I enjoyed it very much. All right, Tim McComb joining us, former coach, Utah High School, BYU, now doing our expert analysis before and at halftime and post game of virtually every Jazz game. And they got a game tonight against the Phoenix Suns. So I need to ask you uh, where the Jazz were, where the Jazz are, and where the Jazz are going. Because I would like to know more. So it's a, that's a loaded question. I mean, I'm a loaded guy. The you know, I, I was just sitting here during the break listening to the little sounder for for the show that follows ours. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mr. Ben, Mr. Jake, and they were talking about you know, and, and I think this is the part that's interesting. You know, it is the team that that nearly you know swept December, and it's the team who also has lost you know. A lot of games right here in the stretch, and um, and I think you have to look deeper into it. I mean, I think the the last part of, of this you know this losing streak um, or this downtime for the Jazz has been more about what they haven't had, which is their team. Um, and we've seen teams all around the NBA go through it. The Jazz were one of the fortunately one of the, the last teams, but we all knew it was coming. You know, in terms of the COVID, and then you add a couple of the other other injuries. And, you know, they just not, they have not been rolling their team out there. Not at all. Although some of it has been, to an extent, by their choice. Conley, Ingles, and O'Neal, maybe I'm off base on this, but I think they could have played Monday night. But they chose not to. Not they chose not to. The team chose not to play them. Well, I think you have to make, you know, guys are getting nagging injuries and you kind of decide do you keep pushing it. I I heard, I heard your comment very first thing. Yeah, you're pointing to the statues. I know. They played 82. Thurl Bailey once played 84. In an 82 game season. It yeah. was crazy. <laughs> I mean, the cameras just stayed out there for <laughs> a couple hours and watched him play two simulated games. He got traded to Minnesota. True story. And he played 84 and, games. And he played 84 games. And Mark Eaton. Maybe that's why he's got gray hair. Rest his soul. Played 82 every year. I know, but but times have changed, right? Like for the uh, worse, people used to walk everywhere too and ride horses. Right. But and uh, and we that, found a better way. We got way. A, yeah, I know. And we got way more obesity. Is it a better way or is it a, is it just a a, a different way? I haven't seen you in a while. Are you judging me? <laughs> no, I'm not judging you. You said obesity. You're hairier, right but I'm not judging you. Okay. No, I I did I I have to get a better look. You must have had a lot of clothes on if I if you were obese. No. I don't know that it's a better way. How's it a better way? No, I know. Um and I do long for those days. I heard you say that as I was driving up, you know. Your teams used to guys used to play 82 games regularly. Um it was quite a deal. I mean, I, I talk all the time about, you know, that period of time where Stockton and Malone were here, and you could just bank on it. They were yeah. going to play every night. Yeah, I was in fantasy basketball when I was living in California. We'd had one in my newspaper, and every year I took letter carrier. Every year I wanted them because you, you had the aggregate total of points, rebounds, assists, and then a half each, 50% blocks and steals. So it didn't matter what your averages were, what your, the total number of points you scored. And I took Malone at every time in my first round pick, and I must have won the thing five times. 
I mean, just because he was always going to put numbers <laughs> yes, up. Yes, yes, yeah, totally. Yes, yes. Now, it's no knock in particular to the Jazz, because they obviously aren't the only team doing it by any stretch. But I think that they have fallen into, maybe fallen into isn't the right word, but they've aligned with the idea of uh, see you in the playoffs. And if they, they get to the NBA Finals, yeah, absolutely. More power to you. Well, that's, that's the point that I push a lot on pre and post is last year we all, you know, from the very beginning, the Jazz were in the hunt for the best record in the mm-hmm. league, and everybody got swept up in that. And everybody followed every night to see, can they keep pace? Can yeah, they yeah, keep yeah. that record? Because at the end, Mitchell was out. Right. And so it, it was, it was um, you know, in my mind, they came about it that way. They had the best record in the West, and they didn't have much more success. They won, did win a round, which was great. Um, but I do believe the NBA is all about April to Certainly. June. I agree 100%. And, and if, you know, missing a couple regular season games or diminishing, I guess, the, the impact of seeding um, – and, and looking more at trying to play your best basketball at that point. That's most important. Then I think that that's a good way to approach it because we did it the other way last year. That takes much higher priority. I'm just wondering now, there's a ton of losing. Yeah, there is. And it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to see. Uh, the, the hard part is the teams, you know, the number of teams that really aren't very good <laughs> that the Jazz have lost to. Right. It's yeah. There's seven of them, right? Seven losses to that bottom echelon, and so that's that's a little difficult. But again, when you take it all as a body of work, I believe, I do believe, my friend, that it's just a different way to it. And um, you know, Quinn Snyder and the guys after games talk about all the time that this is a journey that we're on. You know, and we do want to be at our very best come playoff time. So I'm buying that narrative, and I'm excited to kind of. Watch, you know, because we're getting close to having to ramp that up. You know, we're, the calendar is nearly to February, which is crazy. Um, you know, for somebody that goes basically sits in this chair every game, um, it is you know it's a long season. But when you get to fe- when you see February, you can see the barn. So so seating doesn't matter at all. No, I think it matters. I don't want to discount. I mean, it. this team could have, conceivably, if they continue on this pace, be sixth. Yeah, I mean, I think it matters historically, right? I think, um, you know, if you look at NBA champions, I mean, the majority of those are going to come from seeds one, two, and three, I would imagine, through the yeah, years. Bucks last year at but, four. But there's a couple outliers. And but that I was think, only 72 games. Maybe they could have risen up a little bit. Right. So, and I think that that's, um, you know, I think that's what you have to watch. But uh, I do believe, the one thing I do like about if a guy's hurting, you know, it's not going to get better. Boyan really is, you know, his his hand and what he's dealing with there, that's a real thing. And, you know, he uses that a lot, catches the ball every night, shoots it, um, you know, he's in, in traffic. And so I, I can see here and there, you know, guys taking a night and trying to, you know, rest it, get things feeling better. Um, but ultimately, all that anybody cares about is if you win or lose. That's That's what I've learned. I learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> they course. don't like you for you. They like you for how much can you do. Well, they, yeah, they're all maybe decent people and all that. That's great. But they're paid to win basketball that's games. That's right. I mean, that's the whole point here. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just... What, what's I'm gonna, got you? What's got you like... so obviously. Dropping in the standings is bothering me. So like, you're, you're feeling nervous about kiss that. Kiss the number one record goodbye. I mean, that's gone. Well, of course. Right? They're eight games behind the Suns. 
Uh, and Suns, Suns to, look good. To their credit, are not slowing down. I mean, it's amazing. To me, Monty Williams ought to be runaway coach of the year. And I realize Memphis and Cleveland and some of these other younger guys that are coaching uh, are maybe a little bit more of a surprise. But I, I think to go to the finals and then get better, I think there's something to be said for that. Not just maintain, but to get better. They've gotten better. They've gotten way better. Oh, dude, and I'm telling you, watching the game the other night, it's about, you know, I, I, Monty Williams has a, a huge effect on it, but I'm telling you what, man, that Chris Paul. 36 years old. That Chris Paul is something else. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely conducted, uh, in the fourth quarter particularly, against the Jazz. They just weren't going to lose. I can make an argument that he's substantially better at 36 than I can when he was 26. Probably so, because, I mean, there's a lot of lessons in 10 years that you learn. And and I think what makes him so great, you know, he was exiled and put in a spot in Oklahoma City where really most guys would fade away, get their money, and we'd stop hearing from him. And in his case, he takes that Oklahoma City team to the playoffs and then gets put in the, you know, has the opportunity to, to go to Phoenix, and he just grabs a couple of young guys, eight and one of them. He's changed, he's changed that dude's career. Yeah. He just went and grabbed him, and he said, you're going to do things that I tell you. You're going to do them how I tell you, and it's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for me. It's going to be good for our team. And he's done that, man. And you see that his influence on that team is remarkable. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. But if it had been to where they underachieved, Monty would be taking the heat. And coaches always take the heat. We're seeing it with Vogel. You get none of the praise, but you get all the heat. That doesn't make any sense to me. So if you're going to take the crap, then when they're going well, you deserve to get the praise. Well, that was always the funny part in coaching. It seemed as though, and and I did it for a long time at different levels, but it seems as though when things are going great, man, the players are doing a good job. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And when things are poor, oh, we got to fire the coach. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And that's a real narrative. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so I want to make sure that Monty Williams gets his due because if they weren't doing well, he would be run out of town. No, no question. And, and you know, anymore, being an NBA head coach, you got to wear 75 hats. Yeah. And one of them is the ability to motivate. One of them is you got to be a psychologist. One of them you got to be, you know, a taskmaster. And one you've got to be a player's guy. It's, it's a hard job. Yeah, so Chris Paul is getting a ton of publicity, rightly so, for motivating Aiton. And Monty's getting nothing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, wait a second here, man. <laughs> I mean, Aiden's got a motor issue, but Monty's the coach. And if Monty decided to just let Chris Paul handle it, well, that's a brilliant decision either way. However it works out to get to where Aiden has got, Monty Williams deserves credit. Even if he said, hey, I'm going to do hands-off and just let Chris Paul do it. That's a brilliant decision. Even if he does nothing and just lets the leader of the team do it, that takes courage in backing off. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. The point I'm making is I want to see Monty Williams get some credit. And to see Phoenix doing what they're doing, to me, is just... I'm not stunned because they went to the finals, but I'm surprised they're this good. And they look very, very difficult to beat. And so from the Jazz perspective, that number one record's out, but I don't care. But I do care to see them drop to fifth 
maybe to sixth. Where's where's it going? So so my thing. I'm, is I'm this. concerned. I think start watching the games game by game. Lose track of the standings for two weeks and just watch the games. That might help your. Anxiety. But do you realize who I work with? Stat boy. <laughs> Did you not hear the ground rules? <laughs> yes. But... Hey, so real quick, this Phoenix roster, because it's one thing I think is, I think they've done an unbelievably good job. Their front office. I mean, Phoenix has been the joke of the league for how long? Like 12 years, okay. yeah. But 10, 11 years. Like they, they take Aiden. Um, they obviously they add Paul. Booker is Booker is everything that, you know, I think he's getting tougher too. He's way more tenacious. Um, Bridges was an unbelievably great draft. And then they go out and get a guy who fits this kind of nasty, feisty personality in Jay Crowder. I love Cameron Johnson. He made shots the other night. Um, they go get a guy who's on the scrap heap, Bismack Biombo, and resurrect him. I know. How about that? They grabbed JaVale McGee, who was instrumental to the Lakers championship, and he had a huge night the other night. Um, I mentioned Chris Paul. Supposed to be out tonight. But Another guy off the scrap heap, Alfred, Alfred Payton. And then they've got a great young player in Cameron Payne. Landry Shamit they added, who I love. Nice vet to come off the I mean, so, like, they've put together a... Can I say hell of a roster? Yeah, and uh, James Jones uh, just got a contract extension. As he should. Oh, no question. I mean, that is, that is remarkable work right there. <laughs> no question. In a short period of time. So whether it be, you know, James Johnson deserves credit. Monty certainly does too. Um, but I'm saying without Chris Paul, none of this happens. Unless they would have drafted Doncic over Aiden. But they didn't. Yeah, but it would be different. It would be different. I'm just making fun. But yeah, I'm Chris Paul, I think he deserves significant MVP talk. And I go to the gym and I, I listen to a lot of Phoenix radio and they were talking about can he now, because they felt like last year he was underwhelmed in MVP talk because he doesn't have the personal stats. Well, BFD, big fetch and deal. The stat I care about is wins. I know Jake Scott... May you rest in peace, but I'm a Magic Johnson guy. And Magic was about winning. He could have put up way more stats. Who cares? It's about winning. And Chris Paul, what he's doing with these guys, it's about winning. I don't care what his stats are. It's about winning. But that's the vibe I get. You talked about old school 82 games, playing those 82 games, the way guys approach those games. That's what I sense with Chris Paul. You know, I sense kind of a throwback mindset. So... Um, I think there's there's a, a ton of good lessons from the past that that you mentioned magic and and you know Michael I, I think that that era right there really taught us the you know the value of having kind of that alpha that that's out in front pushing things and um, you know, and that's what Chris Paul's done so I, I really like watching the Suns team the Jazz certainly um, you know even at full strength this is a really tough matchup for them just by virtue of what the Suns do offensively and defensively. Yeah, and if the Suns win, win the title, I want everybody to know I'm a longtime Suns fan. Well, you live there. <laughs> I mean, you've got quadrants. You, you, can, you can claim anything in California. You've got the East Coast wired with Jersey. Yeah, I do. I moved and around. What can I tell you? You've got, you know, and you've got Arizona locked up, and in, in Utah, we ever win one, you're going to be the grandmaster of the, uh, on the front float. Yeah. Now, you talked about the undisputed leader in Chris Paul, and I cannot argue that. But what I want to discuss is 
how that relates to the Jazz. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. NBA jazz legend, Thurl Bailey. As a guy who played against him, I know you are the utmost professional, Thurl. You are nothing but professional, but come on, you kind of have to enjoy a little bit of what's going on with the Lakers right now, right? I'm loving it. I'm not that professional. No. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm still a fan, right? But at the same time, I remember those rivalries, and, and I know probably who the most villainized team is still is in Jazz Nation. But, you know, it, again, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, you try to build a super team, if that's what they're still calling it. But as much as I'm impressed with what LeBron is doing individually, in answer to your question, yeah. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes Your Toast, brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376 or book online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. If you're up north, it's ZeroResDavisWeber.com. Carry me back! Carry me back! Carry me back! That's always the... The challenge we face when we play some Whoa. crazy vocal <laughs> is KP over here. Long time, be long time, be low, 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 low. I got to tell you this. Yes, One thing I has. so I had a I had a a concert this year. You guys came to it. It was awesome and. Uh, I just got to say, like, PK is one of those guys. You know, he's in the back. All the guys were in the back, kind of the cool spot on the floor. And we start playing, and all of a sudden, I see PK make his way all the way to the front. I gravitated. Gravitated to the front. I'm a gravitator. But then you just, (laughs) like, for seriously, for two hours, you just, to every song we played, sang, rocked, danced. It was so out of of character to what I expected. So I see what concerts and music do to you. Is it really out of of character? Maybe you're, when you have a, a... an interview with a higher up. They just need to play music in the background. It'll soften you some. My character has been discussed a thousand times over. First of all, I have no character, so we need to get that. Majerus used that on a guy once. <laughs> it was uh, it was a guy. Uh, I don't, maybe I shouldn't say his name, but you know, he said, you know, you know you're, the problem with you, you're, you know, you're a character and you have none. <laughs> and he had it in spades for sure. <laughs> I mean, he wrote the book on it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Character by Rick Majerus. <laughs> it was written on a napkin. How to get what you want. <laughs> How to get what you want. No one, matter who you mow over to get it. <laughs> one pick at a time. <laughs> there you go. And when that red light comes on in the camera, hey, how are you? <laughs> Especially when it's national media. Yeah, almost definitely. <laughs> yes. Ten years of my life. Wow. <laughs> I'd cover that guy for 10 I remember, years. too, you know, just, I'm just a young guy. I mean, you talk about where we've been, but walking out, you know, win, lose, whatever, and you walk out, I've got things i got to go run, do, um, but you walk by the media every time. And uh-huh. I just see this, at the time, be spectacled PK. Um, I did have glasses back then, before Davis Vision. <laughs> they were They were good size. They were... You had some Harry Carey specs going. I did, I did. I modeled them after that. Um, I wondered if they had windshield wipers on them a couple <laughs> times. But anyway, 
just walking by and then hearing the stories. You know, and he'd say, that guy from, you know, the Tribune, <laughs> a real pain in my ass. <laughs> We had some legendary battles. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I got great memories, and the, and the funny thing is, a lot of the guys that I see that I covered then, uh, they frankly hug me now if I, if I run into them. And one of them who hated me, I see on a regular basis. Big tall redheaded kid. First Jackson. Conference Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that big, tall redhead. The guy that people confuse. The best part hanging with Britain is people think he's Sean Bradley. You know, back in the day, people yeah. th- would come up, hey, it's Sean Bradley. No, yeah. it's Britton Johnson. I know. And Sean was a half a foot taller. <laughs> so, big story on one Sean Bradley. One of the Bradley great dudes in, of all time, uh, by the way, Britain. Britain just, oh, yeah. Like, when you pick up right where you leave off last time you saw him. He's one of the best. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, I actually I mean I've got a big time soft spot for he and his brother Jeff. Uh, it was fun. Jeff was a warrior uh, to be able to cover those guys, and that was the thing about it, man. He recruited such great kids. There was only make the the rare was the knucklehead. I mean, I had a few, but most of the most of those kids were just great, and they were fun to be around, and so quotable and. And agreeable. I used to have this uh, routine: uh, go in, get the interview. Back then, the locker room was open, so you'd walk right across the hall. You own the squad that room. That little locker room. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. We're going way back. And uh, so you go in the squad room, get the quotes from Big Man, and he'd always destroy Van Horn. He's a punching bag, and <laughs> you can't score enough points to make up for bad defense, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, blah. I, unfortunately, most of the teams know, you know where Keith is on the defensive side. <laughs> yeah, so we'd go through there, and then we'd walk in, and then uh, I'd go over to Keith. He'd be sitting there. He'd usually be completely naked, just sitting there, and he'd say, what do you say about me? And I'd tell him, and then you go, okay, now let's go on the record. <laughs> we did that for four years. We did that. <laughs> and uh, and then, then he'd give me quotes that were far more diplomatic. Uh, and then he ended up being real tight with the guy. So uh, it was an interesting thing. And he was a phenomenal player. He had some, he had some un- unbelievable leaders while he was there. But, you know, you look at why that team went to the Final Four, and again, Coaches get credit, but Andre Miller was the catalyst to that thing. Oh, no question. I mean, he, he Chris Pauled his way there and yeah. grabbed everybody and, and had him, you know, not to take anything away from uh, the guys that, that were on the team, but um, that run, you go back and watch it. It was, it was, uh, it could be Andre Miller's finest hour ever. Oh, yeah. And it threw his entire career. Got to play 20 years in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. So Just I was sitting at an NBA. AUU event a couple years ago. And it was so surreal because I'm sitting there watching and, you know, I, I go from place to place to place. You're watching all these different guys. You're trying to get a handle on who everybody is. And I was watching a team from Arizona and kid on the on the roster's last name was Miller. And I'm kind of looking at him and he's like, ah, kind of. So I started looking around the gym and lo and behold, up on the top row with a video camera on a tripod. 
was Richard Pryor's lookalike, Andre. <laughs> It was so it was so funny because I walked up to him. I said, "Man, look what we're, we were drugged back into a gym. You you for your kid, me for my job." But it, just the stories, you know, that we sat and talked about. Um, honestly, Andre is the same kid today he was when he got here. He's he's wiser, he's smarter. Um, but I'll tell you what, that dude that dude knew how to win. I spent some time in his house in Compton, California. His mom, yeah. sweetest lady on the planet. Tribune when they that week of the Final Four they so they beat Arizona on the Saturday, on Sunday they tell me, hey go down to L A and do a big A one not a sports cover but a A one the front page of the newspaper do a big takeout on Andre. Okay, so I make a reservation go down the next morning, uh, go knock on his door in Compton, and Andrea Andrea I think her name was mm-hmm. she let me in I'd known her. And uh, his stepfather. So I spent some time in his house. And then I went over to Bourbon Day, his high school, uh, talked to some people there and and uh, had a nice a nice feature on him. And because that was, as you say, his finest hour, that whole NCAA tournament, Arizona and Carolina and, and all that stuff. And then and then so then I flew from L.A. to San Antonio. I was on Delta and came through Salt Lake. And guy sitting next to me the whole way was Lorenzo Romar. Oh wow! Yeah, he was coaching at Pepperdine, which is where so he's, he's going now. to the Final Four. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got. Oh, I spent the whole f- from L.A. to here down to San Antonio. He was in, sitting right next to me, and uh, we talked the whole time about a lot of different things and basketball and whatnot. And 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 that little snapshot of time, I got to know Lorenzo Romar. Uh, and so, and then that, that was so fun. I, I've done a lot of cool things over the years, but that whole week in San Antonio was just a ton of fun. I, I covered MJ's first NBA title when I was living in California. I was in the locker room after he clinched it. I was standing right next to him when he was cl- cradling that trophy. But that Final Four run was just absolutely awesome. It was probably the most fun. The feeling in that city is hard to describe, but, yeah. you know, I remember after beating North Carolina, because I was there too, and walking around the Riverwalk with your Utah shirt on. Yeah, it was way cool. It was way cool, you know, and, and all the North Carolina fans are looking for a bar to sink into, yeah. and they'll be found the next morning in the river somewhere. Because you had you the, the Utes and Stanford who weren't Final Four participants, right. and then you had Kentucky and Carolina who are. Yep. Mark so, Matson at Stanford was on that crew, right? Uh, or was he gone? I don't was he on that team? No, I think he was on that team. Yeah, I think he was too. Yeah. But it, it was it was my first Final Four ever. I went to, you know, beginning into college coaching after I went to 12, 13, 14 of them. But the first one, you never forget, right? And I had one of those moments too where I got on a plane in Detroit coming back from the Final Four and sat next to my wife and I sat next to Tom Izzo. Because like basketballville, <laughs> you just oh, yeah. you show up and you're gonna sit by somebody from a basketball uh, team. So um, awesome experience, but yeah, th- that that's the parallel I draw there between our last conversation. Is you know everybody needs that guy, and, okay, and that's what Andre was. All right, and did the Jazz have that guy? That's well, think, where I wanted to go. I think they have. I think they have dueling banjos. Okay, do you? But but I think those banjos play the same pitch. But. Do you need one? Can you get by with two? I think if they're in agreement, you can. 
And I and I did, the one thing I love about Rudy and Donovan, they may not be the best of friends off the floor. You know, we've heard all sorts of different things through the years, and obviously at one point it was unsalvageable and all that stuff. You don't see that on the floor. You know, um, you see a lot of pats on the butt. You know, you see a lot of encouragement. You will see some contention times and talking through stuff. I'm not really worried about that. Turns out Pippen isn't a big fan of Jordan. Right, exactly. No, you just <laughs> Shaq have and to... Kobe won three titles, and I don't know that they were best buds. Yeah, they left just... some on the table. You just have to figure it out. You have to figure out how to do it. Um, you know, but I... do you need one alpha? Who's the alpha on the DJ PK show? Me. Okay. Well, duh. Well, I didn't. <laughs> Is that why you go, I don't know why? Is that why you talk like that when you're impersonating him? I don't know why. In some ways, yes. And and then you're the moderator, right? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm holding on to the handbrake trying to slow the train down. No, DJ plays a role, and you brought him up, so you tell me not to bring him up. So that's no, okay. I, it was just uh, a joke. Uh, it, it was fodder. It, it, it works. You know the thing that we have. What, but what do you think? Can you think two guys? You think Gobert and Mitchell can? I don't know. And but DJ and I, I think that you can learn stuff from there because uh, we have learned that it's all about the show. The only thing that matters is the show. This is such a kick-butt job that we don't let each other get in the way. Believe me, I'm not the easiest guy. I'm probably one of the hardest guys to get along with. True. There's a reason why I have like a friend and a half. True. And, but we've, and, and I'm, I know he's gotten, Scotty G, if you're listening, he can nod, because uh, he was there one time when uh, I really got on his nerves. And this was in the early days. Scotty was our producer. It's funny. All these big hot shots. Uh, I got the two bosses now that I have at the new with Bonneville. Both those guys were our producers. <laughs> and now they're my superiors. <laughs> I used to tell them to fetch and get coffee. And now they're my, uh, they're my bosses, right? So it's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, and I've got no problem with them. Both of them being the bosses, they're fine, um, and they were great producers. But we've learned nothing gets in the way of the show. Nothing. You got a problem? Get over it. We're we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna get on each other's nerves. But so what? Look at what we've got going. Your guy. A guy who I, one of the guys I respect the most, and I've, of all the guys I've known the longest, is Dave Rose. And he told me once, don't screw it up. You got a great thing going. Don't screw it up. And it was sage advice. Don't screw it up. Don't let personalities get in the way. And we don't. We don't. If there, and there's an issue. Now, both of us individually whine about the other guy to yak. And so he's like the bartender. And uh, he has to uh, play, yeah, 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 yeah. And he does his role very well. He's sort of like the counselor and just, you know, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretends he's listening and empathizes. Yeah. I was wondering why you guys have these therapy chairs in here in the morning. <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> you reel these out after the morning show, but these are nice. You just lay down and talk right. about your problems. Right. So Yach has to play that role. And I know I know DJ whines about me to him. There's no doubt about it. I whine about DJ to Yach, but he just plays it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? But he never lays down. He, he never... 
to his credit, he never whines about the other guy to the other guy. You see what I'm saying? Because that's not his role. So we got to have all three guys in sync here to make this thing work. We've heard of shows, guys don't talk to each other during the break. They hate each other, and they end up breaking up. Could you imagine if we broke this up because he got on my nerves for a segment? We need to do a behind this. No. Behind the music with DJ and PK. You don't do that, man. Many years from now. And you have to, I think it translates into whatever business you got going, and it translates out on that court. When, When you take that court, man. You you gotta you gotta be about winning. You gotta be about everybody pulling together. And I know it sounds trite and all, but I'll answer your question. Do I think you gotta have one dude when we come back? And before we go, I gotta tell you, man, Valentine's. It's the same thing as a marriage. You gotta treat her well, my friends. You know what I'm talking about? You're seeing the genius at work here, Tim. This is about Valentine's Day. You gotta step up to the plate and knock it out of the park. Yeah. Let me tell you, Valentine's Day is just weeks away. And Jimmy's Flowers can make it easy with a ready-made or custom-designed arrangement. Yeah. You can order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores. They've got them in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers, jimmysflowers.com. Do you need one or can you get by with multiple? Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. If you got to trade an offensive player, trade Boyan for Ben Simmons. What are you going to get from Ben Simmons? 13 and a half points. We don't want whatever. You want defense. <sighs> Stop trying to convince me of something. One won't happen, and two, I don't want to happen. Stop trying to convince me. I'm not going to do it. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week Award is presented weekly to the top prep boys and girls basketball players in northern Utah. This week's winners were Madison Hosino of Northridge High School and Spencer Bessinger from Roy High School. See why new and used car buyers give John Watson Chevrolet more five-star reviews than any other Chevy dealer in Utah. John Watson Chevrolet, your five-star Chevy dealer. Why is this a uh, Led Zeppelin day? He wanted me to play Led Zeppelin. Do you know that today is Anita Baker's birthday? Anita Baker, I believe, is the best female singer I've ever heard of. I like Billie Holiday. I like Billy Idol. But he's not a woman. What about Billie Eilish? No. Okay. What about Billy Squires? Everybody! <laughs> have you heard? <laughs> I love Billy Squire. <laughs> Underrated Billy Squire. I've got a couple of his vinyls. Yeah, you a vinyl gonna... guy? Not anymore. Okay. I mean, I got them. I don't know where they are, but I got them. I'll take them off your hands. I, you know, I didn't buy a whole lot of uh, records because I had older sisters. And just they, got hand me down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Problem is, you got like uh, David Cassidy. 
Uh, no. Leif Garrett. No, 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 no. My, Peter Frampton. My sisters are 10 and 12 years older than me. Okay. Uh, one was heavily into Motown. Cool. And the other was more into uh, Beatles, Stones, those types of things. Those, uh, they're only like, they're two years apart, but their tastes in music were dramatically different. So. And you went to the Stones show. I did. Thank you. <laughs> I had great seats. <laughs> Kicked my rear end that weekend. But I was glad somebody could use them. Let's put it that, that way. That was a double uh, concert week. I went to Vegas, uh, saw Old Dominion on Friday, and the Stones on Saturday. The Stones at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. It was the third time And your I tickets saw were decent. Uh, not the ones I bought, the ones you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Pays to be my friend. Yeah, there you go. So I'm going to go see Old Dominion and Thomas Rhett next week. I'm excited about that. Uh, down in Arizona, looking forward to that show. It's going to be fun. Uh, there you go. And then uh, in March, we bought tickets to America at Tuacon. Awesome. Have you been to Tuacon? I've never been to Tuacon. Oh, I've been by it. Yeah. I've never been in it. It's awesome. Outdoor arena. I was pumped this week. They announced Sammy Hagar's coming to town. Yeah. Out at uh, Busana. For sure. Yeah. In August. The Red Rocker. Speaking yeah. of, of Zeppelin, his son Jason plays the drums uh, for Sammy's group, John Bonham's son. Yes. So they play a bunch of Zeppelin oh, in his go. shows. Cool. So I, when I go out there, I probably will go see Sammy, but I'll drive slow when I go out there. You know why? What? I can't drive 55. Well, you don't have to anymore. Right, I can't. I just can't. And, but my motto also isn't going to be uh, Moss Tequila. Those two together would be bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that alone. Uh, do I think you need an individual leader. I don't think you can have two of the same. I think you can have a one and a one A, but I think you need to have a one. I think all the great teams got them. You name me a team that was awesome that had a one, that two ones. I would say, I would imagine that there was a fight for one with the Celtics. No. But everybody knew. Yeah, they knew. Now, sometimes they had the big three. I think that what you need is somebody who is a leader, but part of his deal is he lets the other guy think he's the leader. You're going back to your Sniggledorf relationship. There's give and take. So this is why I think it works, PK. Um, you know, I think last the last week or two, you know, Rudy came out with a, with a critique on the defense played by the team. Yeah, and it irritated uh, Mitchell Well, again. It, it irritated him, but I, he, the thing that I really like and shows kind of that maturity is he didn't fly off the handle. He no, didn't, not publicly, well, but he's never done it okay, publicly. Okay, but that's my point. He's never done it publicly. Well, that's my point. Yeah, but what you do publicly and what you do within the team, within the team is what matters. Mitchell's suave. 
He's sophisticated. He knows not to blow up publicly and make it an issue. Are you but kidding I think, me? But I think you're talking about letting the other guy think he's in charge. I mean, there may be that may be part of, of his thinking there. You know? Because he's not a guy. I mean, Donovan's not a guy that's going to come out um, guns are blazing and just blast everybody. You know, he, he'll make comments about we've got to be better and this isn't acceptable. And he'll and, talk about himself. And he'll talk about himself, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he's, he's got it down for a 25-year-old kid. It's like he's been coached. He, he knows what it's about, man. He's, he's a smooth customer, no doubt about it. I mean, he, I, I, I think that if they stay together, I think better days are ahead. And I'll, and I'll tell you why here in, uh, in a bit. But what I need to tell you about... You know, about Will you the, tell me about the Ford Fan Zone? Yeah, I do, as soon as I can find it. <laughs> I was stolen. It's just right up above us here, I think. Oh, yeah, literally. Yeah, we're on the fifth floor. You know, you can purchase a Ford Fan Zone, all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game, and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. What more do you want? And it starts as low as 30 bucks per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or you can call 325-2999, 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket now. All right, stay with us. We're going to hit some more jazz. Why I think better days are ahead. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I want to tell you about Hot Tub Factory Outlet. Come, come join Unrivaled this Thursday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. That's 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. Well, this is what I do, man. I love to ramble on. Don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I do it every day for four hours. What do I do? I ramble on. I should have just played a silent film. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin, Chaplin style. Chaplin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would that would shut him up. Ram it on. Hasn't played my favorite Led Zeppelin tune yet. Stairway to Heaven. No. I got two more chances here, so you better let me know which one. Don't say it. Let's just see if you play it, and then he'll disclose. That will keep. That's good radio, because then you can say, "Oh, that wasn't it. It was this." The finest piece of individual music I've ever witnessed in my life. I wasn't there, but I've seen, you, can, you can YouTube it. Kennedy Center. They're honoring Led Zeppelin. Heart comes out. They play Stairway to Heaven. Bonham's son's playing drums. Actually chokes up during the tune. They've got a full orchestra and a full choir. Google it. I promise you, even if you don't like the tune... You will love this. You will love the presentation of that tune, unlike anything I've ever heard. Absolutely off the charts. Google it. It's the Kennedy Center. Heart singing Stairway to Heaven with full orchestra and a full choir. I would say close second would be God Be With You Till Me Meet Again by the Tabernacle Choir at the end of conference. But close second. Very emotional. Which one? Stairway to Heaven? I'll be with you till we meet again. Sorry. Shouldn't they play that at every funeral? Yeah. They should. Yeah. Like the national anthem is how a funeral should end. Yeah. I I know uh, in my family, 
when I'd be with the big Italian side. In New Jersey. Yeah, in New Jersey. They would sing, God be with you till we eat again. Which was about 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, just right around the corner. Go to the bathroom, come back. <laughs> hey, can I get a cannoli? <laughs> Leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> it's a famous line from The Godfather, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. It came out in 1972. They're having remixes and all that stuff. Uh, I've only seen it like 500 times. I told my wife, we got to go. She said, oh, goody. Not into it? Uh, not as much as I am. So I took my wife to the departed, <clears throat> made that mistake, and uh, after about the 75th curse word <laughs> in the opening credits, she's like, um, do you think maybe we should go? I said, you can go. I'll come pick me up. Yeah, sometimes, like, uh, oh, I took my wife. To, we were in Vegas. She wanted to go to a, a, a performance. She went to see Jersey Boys. Now, bless her heart, she did not realize Jer- Jersey Boys was about Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Now, all of those guys are from North Jersey. I mean, they are right from where I'm from. We're breathing the same air and drinking the same water. And in my household, they were big. I mean, they're all paisans from North Jersey. Well, you go to that, you just get immune to the F-bombs. I mean, they just flow one right after another. It's like working for Rick. (laughs) Comma, the joining phrase, it works for everything. Yeah. And when I grew up, it was nothing. I heard a slew of F-bombs by uh, my mother, all the females. just So I became immune to it, too. It's like I just listen right through it. And then I move out to Utah, and the only people I hear saying it are Ute fans. I know. They're so... <laughs> oh, don't get me started. That's one of the great shticks you've done through the years, is the way you gravitate from one to the other. That is so good. Well, it's my observations of the local I'm, community. I have dual citizenship. I'm one of those guys that, you know, I carry both cards and use them when needed. Well, the more radio you do, you'll get... You're a Ute homer, you're a Cougar oh, of course. Homer. I mean, you, I, I, to this day, 20 years into it, I still get it. Guy just tweeted at me yesterday about something, about that, how much I love BYU. But they used to, they used terrible language. Let's oh. be honest. Embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I would never take my kid up there. <laughs> no. Stuff that goes on in the north no. end zone. No. And yeah, the, the southeast end zone is even worse now. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, all my season tickets that I buy are BYU. I have tickets to the bowling league down there at the Wilk. <laughs> Great! I did not know they had that. What well, is, yeah, it's what's a, the Wilk? Wilkinson Center. The Wilkinson Student Center. It's like a student union. Oh, and yeah. who's who, who's Wilkinson? Ernest. Ernest. Wilkinson. He was the president. Ernest T. Point. Wilkinson. L. He's the one that implemented the honor code. Oh, it's. But they really, they really don't have a bowling league. I just thought I'd just play along and say that I have Ernest L. Wilkinson. Correct. They do have a bowling league. I have bowled in that league. Well, but it's not in made terms for of spectator. spectators. Yeah. I bowled when I went to Northern Arizona. I had to bowl the intramural championship. True story, man. Chomp. These guys signed me up, and I hardly went. They said, we just need you in the playoff. Oh, this is 
gospel truth. So comes down to me, and I got to get seven pins. He does it. If I get seven pins, we win the championship. So I stand up there, get my stance, I turn around. The two guys that I'm with, they're hardcore bowlers, right? And I turn around. They're basically on their knees praying. They can't watch because they want to win the championship. So and bad. they've seen you bowl. Well, I thought, so I, so I got two frames here. I, all I got to do is pick up seven. Yeah. I said, I could granny style it right down the middle. No sweat. Relax, guys. I got this. We're going to be breaking out the Martinelli's, celebrating a dorm intramural bowling championship. I got the seven. They picked me up, carried me out of the student union. PK, PK. And then the crowd in the student union started to chant. And the next thing you know, I mean, we were right there. People were just poising me up. I think he's using that scene from Rudy. <laughs> he's just—he's—he's he's confusing Rudy with his past yeah, life. It know. happens. Hey, you embellish. Okay, bit. I made it embellish the end, but the the other part, I needed P- to get K- seven. P- K- I, needed, P- I needed to get seven, and I got it. And we won the intramural uh, at Northern Arizona. Yeah, there you go at the uh, at the bowling center. I don't even remember where it was, but it must have been somewhere on campus. So I told you why I thought that the Jazz would be better. Because I think Mitchell needs to take over this team. And when he gets to be 27, 28, it'll be squarely his team. I would like to see him do it now. Because he's basically already doing it. They run him out almost every game. Post game. And I love the fact that he acknowledges that he's the one who is going to be requested. Win or lose. Anybody can come out when you win. That's no problem. But come out when you, when you lose two and be accountable. And hold your teammates accountable. Hold yourself accountable. Hold your coaching staff accountable. Hold your teammates accountable. I think those are all ingredients into going all the way. And I think one of the things that you know, Quinn talked about it in one of the Sounders we played today, and I've heard it in the post games. Um, but he he really is asking for more consistency from everybody. You know, more more focus. I think that last game in particular in Phoenix with without a slew of guys. You know, their main guys, and he was really impressed with the way that the players that were remaining went out there and competed. You know, and I th- so I think it lit a fire under Quinn a little bit, like. You know, that, that word of accountability, because we hear all the time, we know what we need to do, we just need to do it. Um, but it, it, the season's getting a little bit late, and, you know, th- as the Jazz now start to hopefully get healthy and get through the COVID issues, um, you know, now's the time to really kind of hit that stride and start playing better basketball. But consistency is the key, and you use the, the perfect word for consistency in order to measure that. You've got to have accountability. I think Donovan Mitchell's finest moment in a jazz uniform, as Carl Malone would say, jazz uniform, was after they blew the 3-1 lead to Denver two years ago in the bubble. What'd he say? You remember? Because I do. I'm sure you do. I don't. I know uh, the Snig Dog would. He said, we are done losing in the first round. And he said it emphatically. Last year was a disappointment in the playoffs. But they won in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. He put himself and everybody else on notice. We are done doing this. Now, that 3-1, losing a 3-1 lead sucks. 
but you had Conley missing a game for the pregnancy. You had Bogdanovich out the whole time. He had what uh, finger injury, wrist injury? What was it? It was wrist. Surgery. Yeah. wrist. Yeah, right. And he so he's a premier player for you, and he's out. So you had an excuse, but you didn't use it. You said we are done losing in the first round. You make a great point. Two years ago was Boyan. Last year was Mike. I mean, the team has to be healthy. This team has to be complete and healthy in order to do what they need to do. And and that's the biggest issue the last 10, 11 games. I mean, four of those games, five of those games without Rudy Gobert, um, you know, a handful of games without Donovan, and then just start kind of going down the list. It's just, it's you're not you're not going to be consistent when you don't have your club. Sure, but there's been so many losses that I can't remember who's been in and who's been out. And we're getting to the point now with these protocols and everything that I, I'm, I'm sort of torn because I want to say, all right, forget this regular season. Because guys are coming in and out of the lineups, not just here, but throughout the league. Who's available, who isn't available? I mean, you just don't know. You need a, you need a roster every day to see. And then, you know, well, maybe even like 50 two guys, hours but before, they're 10 days. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm almost to the point of just forget it. Forget this regular season. Get me to the playoff. But at the same time, I don't see how they're going to have success if they're sitting there at the sixth seed. Well, it's all about matchups at that time, at that point. And, and I mean, they played Phoenix, who's the best team in the NBA right now. They played them uh, and made them. They made Chris Paul have to go 40 minutes. 40 minutes. And they pushed that team to the brink. So you've got to think if everybody's healthy and everybody's on the same page, again, this is the same team that won eight in a row. So it, it's a team, you know, it's, to me, it, that, it, that is the biggest thing. Yeah, but I, <laughs> oh, I you're, know. if you're sitting there at the sixth seed, I just don't know how you get, get all about matchups. Okay. You just have to win the same number of games. I understand that, but wow, I just think that because success for this team is no longer defined by getting out of the first round. No, they're not going to lose in the first. The round. owner's not going to pay thirty million dollars in luxury to get out just to get out of the first round. So, but I also don't believe that it all has to happen. I mean, it's got to happen soon, but it has to happen this year. Yeah, but how long are we going to keep saying that? Until it happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, because the bottom line is they're not a disappointment. I mean, they play a great brand of basketball. I thought the Clipper loss was a disappointment. But I think most fans felt you were you're up 2 nothing. Kawhi Leonard's out. And you can't close them out. You will, you will let them win four straight. I think that was a disappointment. Overall, they're not a disappointment. They're not Sacramento and some of these garbage teams. Or Charlotte they just don't ever seem to do anything. Uh, Washington, it's been a good long while, and, and they blow a 35-point lead, was it, last night? Come on. I mean, there's they're not that level. I get that. But I think in the moment, watching Terrence Mann, of all people, well, they're gonna the dis- great author, Terrence Mann, hit all those threes. That was disappointing. He was the man. Nice. With two ends, I would have liked to have a D in there too. Uh, Manda, D up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I got you. Uh, 
And basically, it bothered me. I was like, well, there was nothing we could do. Uh, that bothered me. I, I was disappointed. Maybe I'm the Lone Ranger, but I was disappointed in that loss. So in the moment, it's been a successful franchise. They provided plenty of great winter nights of entertainment. I get it. I'm right there with you. But but I believe that the, the, through that, they they kind of went, and because of that lesson, I guess, they juggled the, uh, the roster up a little bit, right? They didn't just roll it back completely. No, I think that happens in every every year, though. I don't think you bring back the same 12 But guys. I think they addressed that very thing that, that got them. Like, they, they will be able to counter a small lineup this year. I'm optimistic. You know, you see good yeah. things from Gay and Pascal. Fine. You know, playing yeah. that hybrid nope. five. No question. So I think they're a better team than they were last year, even though the record won't show it. I think they're a better team. They're a more complete team with the, with the yeah. ability to do what they want to do. They're more suited to have playoff success. And ultimately, that is, that's the grade. It's stupid to be giving them grades now. It's stupid to be giving them grades at the end of the regular season. It, the grade is going to be what it is on the postseason. I just look and think, man, if they're down there at the sixth seed, in my mind, maybe I'm off base, but in my mind, it becomes harder to achieve your goals. And for me, if they got to the Western Conference Final, and even if they lost, I'd have a hard time saying, well, that wasn't a successful season, that they didn't make progress. But I don't know that I can say, okay, they can run it back again next year. Because you're going to start getting Conley. Age, and, age, yeah, age. Yeah. And Rudy Gay and Joe, if he's, if he's here, he's a free agent. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope they keep him, but I, I don't know. Joe's your guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't have personal relationships with any of these guys. I'm not. That's not anything I'm interested in. But the two guys that I've had to an extent were Joe and Hornacek. You know, Hornacek. Yeah, yeah, you'd always say that. <laughs> yeah. So I, for just for selfish reasons, you, I'd like you, them to keep Joe. You want to come off that down screen and give me a horny curl? That's what he would say. He'd call it the horny curl. Very well. Uh, and I want multi-dimensional players who can do a lot of different things. If you can find me the next Tony Kukoc, I would be ecstatic. Go. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, vis-a-vis Kukoc. You see his vis-a-vis. You remember that? You know, vis-a-vis. <laughs> so, I, the, the the one thing I w- the, the Jazz have they do have on the offensive side they do have an embarrassment of riches right their ability to w- when they're really going they space teams out Rudy's got you know Rudy's such a problem rolling to the rim running to the rim in transition um, freeing guys up for screens and then you've got all these guys you know mentioned Joe coming off the bench Clarkson coming off the bench um, both guys capable of of putting the ball on the floor and getting a shot or turning, you know, turn it to somebody else. Um, you see that more from Joe than Jordan. <laughs> um, yes. But, Mo, but you think about the way this team plays, and, and this, I, I think that the roster, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, it is now just dialing it up and detailing down on the things that, you know, again, consistency is the word that Quinn uses a lot, and that focus, determination, consistency piece is the piece that we uh-huh. kind of waiting to see this team yeah. completely evolve into. And we've seen in glimpses of it, and it's been beautiful. 
So I think if you've seen it, you can see it again. Um, and I do believe that the losses we've experienced the last two weeks have way more to do with who hasn't played than who has. And that's just that's that's me watching it every night and as honest an assessment as I can give. So you feel very confident that if all together this team has a, a, a good shot to do what? I think they can do better than they did last. I think they can get through two rounds this year. So and then you, then you just flip a coin. And see who you're playing at that point. Yeah, but I think they're capable of doing it. Will they do okay. it? I don't, I mean, I'm not a soothsayer. Well, the way that looks now is you've got to, you've got to beat Phoenix or Golden State in the second round. Right. And so if you can do that, then you can get to the final. And I've seen them play both. And obviously Golden State added a really important piece recently in Clay. But they've kind of been, you know, since he's been back, they're kind of shuffling a little bit. Um, they've they've lost quite a few games, so I th- I think you know again the season itself this particular season with all of the injuries all of the COVID you know all the replacement players everything I mean we're not getting a true snapshot really of the power of this league and as that, I, I think over that's the next my part to basically blow off the regular season and, and over saying. the next you know whatever thirty days I think this is the time where they've got to position themselves. And you talk about six seed, whatever the seed is, but position yourself to be playing your best, period. And that's all you can do. You can't control all the other stuff. They just need to figure out a way to play their best. Well, I will say, if you think they can get to the conference final, then I think they can get to the NBA final. I think they can. I mean, I, I, they can't play in the way they've played over the last two weeks. We understand but, that. Right. But they can. This team can. Um, things... You know, and I don't think things have to be that crazy. You know, I mean, you, you throw Donovan back in there doing Donovan things in the fourth quarter. You know, some of these games came down. If they had a guy that could get a couple of buckets in the fourth, they would have won the game. So you're saying, see Podemos. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. All right. We'll get you caught up in multiple languages on what you may have missed. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Beautiful morning. I could see across our gorgeous valley this morning when I got up. The sun was shining. The snow was providing a beautiful white and golden sheen over our uh, beautiful state. Did you get some snow? I did. I got a little bit. I also take any excuse to start my snowblower before 7 a.m. just to be that kind of neighbor. I couldn't help this morning but look around at the uh, dark lights (laughs) in all my neighbor's windows and think like, good morning. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 90. 97.5-1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. Uh, this is the uh, Washington Kennedy Center. Yeah, we don't have time to listen to all of it. it just, let, just let it play behind us. The ending is really, really awesome. Yeah. It's teasing it. There's a this, this is really good. And as it goes all to the end, because it's just acoustic right now, and then as the song progresses, you know, because it starts out slow and it gets it fast, when they get that little transition, that's when they bring in the orchestra. They bring in the choir. 
It really is incredible. She can get what she came for. I'm sorry. <laughs> if there's a buff, if there's a bustle in your hedge grow, don't be alarmed now. That's where that's where it keys up. There you go. The 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines. They're brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air. Home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now and get their $59 furnace tune-up. Or you can visit them online at leesheatac.com. Leesheatac.com. Still not my favorite Led Zeppelin tune. But this one is... uh, I'm telling you, Google it. We we have to talk. I wouldn't mind just sitting here, but that's not what I'm paid for. So I'm paid to ramble on. Big, You're not paid to sing. Let's make that very clear. Although I can be, if someone would pay, you me. would be poor. No, actually, I know. I'm pay, I'm paid to sing on the radio. It's a byproduct of them giving me an open mic. That's their fault, not mine. It's, it is actually one of my favorite things you do, because I know how bad it irritates everybody else. Yak, we should do a poll. Should PK sing? Yes, we should. We've never done that before. The problem is you won't respond. They say 98% says no. There shall be singing. First 10 responses. We've had fun with that about a thousand times over. Uh, big Pac-12 basketball game last night. The UC Los Angeles Bruins versus the Arizona Wildcats. First place was on the line at Pauley Pavilion. Fans were allowed back in, and the Bruins punked them. Now Tommy Lloyd is a first-year coach, former longtime Gonzaga assistant for Arizona. I believe you know Tommy. Very well. How do you think he'll do? My, my saying is that everybody else is playing checkers, and Tommy Lloyd's playing chess. Really? Yeah, I think he's really good. Um, I'm not surprised at all that they've got. I guess that's their second loss last night, which they're like 14 and two. You know, you you would hope that UCLA'd probably win that game if you're you know knowing what they have. But um, Arizona, they've got some really fun young players. Uh, ben Matherin's my favorite player. I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to be a name we talk about in the big leagues. But. Um, yeah, Pac-12 basketball hasn't been as uh, as interesting, I guess. I don't know. I guess Oregon's kind of coming on now a little bit. Um, yeah, BYU they the just LA destroyed sweep. that team. They did. Yeah. I think it's been so disjointed with the postponements, it's been hard to follow to, to where everybody is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and so it's sort of – it's taken out of the natural pattern – but at least we're playing. I mean, they're sticking games in uh, now and on, a, on a Tuesday night, and you know, used to be Thursday, Saturday, and maybe some Wednesdays, and now they move to Sundays. And then you got used to that. And this year, it's all over. They're squeezing them in wherever they can now to try to make up. And I, I think once we get to March, everybody will be fine with that, and we'll have the usual passion. But right now, it's sort of all over the map. Hit and miss, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, the Cats, you got the Cats uh, doing well then. Does Tommy stay there or does he take over when Few leaves? I don't know. That's, you know, he was written in as the guy to take Few's spot. Uh, I just don't know how, you know, how serious Mark is about leaving. I think he's content and happy. 
Um, Suppose they required him at the McCarthy Center to coach with a mask on. See what I did there? Yes. There was something else that was in the news. Yeah. John got booted from (laughs) McCarthy Center up there. The McCarthy Center, built by the McCarthys, who are from Salt Lake City. That's right. Every every time we play, I always talk to those guys. Um, good, good, really good dudes. Not big BYU guys, but good dudes. <laughs> Tom McCarthy was my boss. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, good. yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. They own the Tribune. They were great days then. I loved working for Tom. Tom was there all the time. And when I first got into town. In June of 93, I took a shuttle over, and he was the first one to meet me. And then we went to Lambs, which is right down. I don't even know if they have it anymore. Lambs uh, was great. Yeah, it was just 30 yards away from the Tribune when it was on Main Street. And so we went down there, and we had an, he gave me an introduction. He was the one who called me. Like he called, and I had moved from California, and he called the number at the Daily Breeze. And I was out golfing because I was working a night shift and I got home and clicked on the answering machine and one of the guys said, hey, PK, uh, one of the uh, editors from the uh, Salt Lake Tribune called you. I think you should uh, know this. And uh, so he left the number. I called back. They came me up, brought me up for an interview and away we went. So, yeah, I, I and he was there most of the time. I used to when I was in the slot, they called it, which is what. The guy was in charge of putting out the section. I would meet with him on a, on a daily basis. and But they're big Gonzaga guys, and that McCarthy Center is named after them. And then they have, uh, they've donated a lot to the U, too. Yes. Uh, so, they've been great for the state. Oh, no question. They kind of go back and forth. Yep. I think they're big jazz guys, too. Yeah, huge jazz guys. Pillars of the community. I think his brother's named Phil. Phil. Yeah, I didn't know him as much, but I knew, uh, I knew Tom. I see him occasionally, talk to him, say hi. If Pretty I'm... amazing what, you know, they've been a part of it up there in Gonzaga. Um, you know, to think that what Gonzaga was when John Stockton was drafted and what it is today. Amazing. It's just, yeah, I mean, they are a blue blood. No, there's no doubt about it, obviously. I mean, when you're getting number one kids in the country to come, Holmgren looks like he's going to be a top pick. And the other kid, Timmy. Timmy plays like he's in the Matrix. Like, everything's slow for him. You know what I mean? You can't speed him up, and he's got ultimate control. It's just, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. He's, his confidence over the last few years is just, you know, but why not? You're, you're beating everybody. Yeah. You've got great players around you. And, I would love to see them win a title. And I think the secret sauce to Mark is he just, you know, he, he certainly gives them uh, ground rules, but he lets them play basketball, and they really play a, a fun brand together. Uh, and that's what I think Tommy was a huge part of that. And I think Tommy's taken that same philosophy to Arizona. And I think Arizona's going to be the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 as long as Tommy's there. I really do. I, it was funny when, you know, so many people wanted an Arizona guy. And the alumni were not happy at all when Tommy got the job. In fact, they had to hold off the announcement for a week just to try to pacify all the people that thought, you know, they should hire an Arizona person, but... Who's an Arizona guy? Miles Simon? Walton? You know, I mean, just go down the list. There's there's guys that coach that mm. have, a, you know, an attachment to Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they did the right thing. I mean, they hired the right guy. Um, you can't find a hotter commodity in terms of the team he came from. 
and I, and I think a lot of that you know has played out. The, Arizona's had a great year. I think they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be uh, they'll, they'll play late in the tournament. Let's put it that way. And you think Few's gonna be there a while? And I turned sixty this year, but not till December. So that's basically next when he season. does leave. I think I think he'll leave with maybe an NBA job in mind, and maybe ride off on that. Give that one shot. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. No one mark the way I do. I thought he likes his setup there. No, he does. He loves it. But I think every single coach has always wondered, you know, if, if the opportunity is there and they want you, you know, I think that that would be a hard one for him to turn down. Could Majerus have made it in the NBA? No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, he told the story all the time. Um, you know, he'd use it with our guys. You know, we shoot free throws religiously during sections of practice, and that's typically when he'd duck out to have a burger. <laughs> but... He, I remember one particular time he was talking about a guy who's fallen off the line when they shot it. And he was trying to work with him on staying balanced and you know at the line and staying square and finishing. And you know he said, the reason I can't coach in the NBA is because Carl Malone falls away from the line every single time. And I'm sure Jerry's told him that, but if Jerry really wanted to push it and be a jerk, <laughs> Jerry would be gone because Carl's a guy who you know players run the NBA. And we've seen that through the years. I mean, LeBron's, how many coaches has he sent to the cemetery? Yeah. I got you. So I think he understood that part, you know, and I understand he also understood that his style um, was unique. I don't know that grown men would totally adopt it. Look no further than Urban Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect call. Very, very similar in-your-face challenge you know, um, and that didn't work at all. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but we all kind of knew it wouldn't work. <laughs> but, you know, Rick Pitino in the NBA, that was a disaster. But he uttered the infamous, uh, those guys, those aren't, guys walking, aren't walking through that yeah. door anytime soon. <laughs> and and that's, that line has lived on long after his Celtics tenure. Oh, it's an amazing line. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there are certain strengths that coaches have. I think that, uh, you no, know, I think Tommy, you asked me about Tommy, Tommy Lloyd. I think Tommy's of that new age where, you know, like Quinn, you know, you've got to wear a, a million different hats. You've got to be able to relate. You've got to be able to motivate these guys. What really motivates them? What's their why? And then get into that and, and, and pull it out of them. Um, so I think that's the new age of coach. I mean, I, I heard you talking about Mark Pope on the way up. What an unbelievable job he's done. I mean, fastest to 60 wins, um, you know, kind of changed the whole uh, type of player that they recruit, um, brought in, you know, more fifth-year guys, made that kind of a destination location. And borrowed from some of the Zags' philosophy, and he's done a hell of a job. Okay, so how are the BYU people, the old-time BYU people, maybe they're dying off and they don't matter, but the idea of five missionary, five white guy missionaries, that ain't happening anymore? No. Okay, so how are they going to accept that? I think if you win. I mean, that's what I learned with Rick. Nobody ever said boo until he didn't win a whole lot, and then things started to kind of get messy. So as long as you win, we're going to support you. When you start to lose... We're looking for the next guy. Or we're going to look for flaws in what you're doing. You're bringing in too many guys, you know, yeah, all that. But right now, it's rolling. And he's done a hell of a job. And I think that, um, you know, it's that same thing we talk about. He, he has an understanding of how to push, but also un- understanding how to relate. And I think it's really important. 
You're a Red Sox guy, Big Poppy making the Hall of Fame. So happy about that. I, I actually was checking out. I have a ball. I got a ball signed uh, by David Ortiz in my in my guitar man cave, and I was looking at that last night. Um, I'm happy for he brought me so much joy going through that Red Sox playoff saga over the years, and then you know the way they did it down 3-0 to the Yankees. The Yankees, yeah, only team ever to come back. And Dave Roberts is steal a base, and then Poppy knocks him in. But that, that's the legacy of Poppy. I think two things. His clutch, he was just unbelievable in the clutch. And, and then the way that he stood up and kind of owned, like when Boston was attacked. Yeah. And the way he, he, he made himself one of them. And I think that that was, that was awesome. And that's amazing. You spent time in Boston, obviously, and that's a town that has a discriminatory represent, uh, reputation. But you're, here's this foreign dude, second language. He learned the language to his credit, and wow, he's he's embraced. Yeah, his, he'll never pay for a meal there. He, right. and, and the Red Sox got a storied history, but it seems like he's embraced as much as any Red Sox player in the history of the franchise, which is over 100 years. He was their modern day Babe Ruth. I think they're like uh, the 110 years. I think they were at their well. The Fenway Park was uh, 2012. I think it was 100 years because I had never been there, and we went back that year, saw a game there, and it was just awesome. I want to go back. I've been there a bunch of times, but the team was always out of town. And this time, my wife and I set it up, and we went, took the tour of the stadium, uh, went to the ball game that day. Sat, it was a Sunday afternoon, sold out. They ran out of ice. <laughs> so they couldn't give you cold drinks. <laughs> Ran out of ice. I'd never heard ice that. machines broke. <laughs> it was just because it was hot and it was just awesome. And I remember going behind home plate. We had tickets down the right field line. Going behind home plate and the, the workers, come on, you gotta go. I said, listen, man, I'm taking some pictures here. I've never been here before. I don't know if I'm getting back. So you just relax because I'm not going anywhere till we take our pictures. And they backed away. <laughs> so, all right, get some feedback. Stay with us. Set you up for Ben and Jake. Coming up next at the top of the hour right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.